on GT Channel with Sam Itani, James McKeon, and Taro Koki. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Pod Speed number 29, I think. Right, Taro? Are we on yep. number 29? Number 29. We've, we're almost there. We're almost at 30. Okay. okay. And we're uh, still in the... at 30, Taro, by the way. I don't know. What we, should, what, we should do something special, shouldn't we? We should yeah, have Frederick we again. We should have Frederick again. But anyways, we are uh, still here and, uh, you know, all everyone's in kind of a COVID in COVID central here. But, uh, you know, it looks like things are starting to open up a little bit, getting better, at least around L.A. Uh, in, and Orange County, in my neck of the woods. But uh, I am joined by uh, Taro Koki, uh, the hello, president hello. of GT Channel, who uh, makes this whole thing possible. And James McKeown of No Breaking Podcast. Uh, joining us from, I think, uh, Hollywood, California, correct? Correct. Okay, I always say passing. And our special guest today, all the way from Norway, but he's not in Norway not right now, <laughs> Frederick Osbel. How are you, Frederick? What's up, guys? I am doing fine. I'm, I'm living the dream here in Southern California with you guys. That's awesome. And, uh, yeah, not the, not the worst place to be this year, even though it's been, like you, you mentioned, kind of an interesting year. I, hopefully it's it's a horrible year. Hopefully it'll be done with soon. But um, uh, we are kind of having some streaming issues today. I think everyone's uh, uh, streaming Cobra Kai or something. I mean, it's uh, we're, we're a little bit choppy. So if everyone could kind of just uh, uh, forgive us for that, uh, we'll, we will have our well, the podcasters, the people who download our podcast won't won't notice, but those who are watching might. So uh, be patient with us. I'm sure it'll you know it'll uh, clear up soon. So anyways, Taro, uh, you're the one yeah. who found awesome guests this, uh, this, uh, this, this episode, so take it away. Okay, so hailing from, uh, I think you pronounce it Ski, right? Ski, Norway? Is that how you pronounce your, your hometown? Yeah, almost. It, it's spelled S-K-I, but we say she. She? Oh, she, yeah. She, Norway. Uh, living in uh, Southern California now, we have the most winningest driver in Formula Drift history, right? <laughs> 13 wins and uh right you have you have 13 wins at this yeah. moment yeah I I, right? I think something like that or is it 14 I I, I should know oh, uh, yeah. oh actually counting after 10 right okay yeah. oh you I, I think you are at 14 because you won round round one so you're at 14 That's right now. yeah wow, uh, right. you are also the uh, 2015 Formula Drift Series champion uh, we had the Norwegian hammer ago, yes Norwegian hammer Frederick Oswald Thank you for joining us today. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's been when you when you put it like that, Taro. It's it's kind of a, a crazy journey, isn't it? You know, hailing from all the way out there in Scandinavia, uh, my town, my hometown. She is. It's out there. It's it's like I want to say it's like living up in like the northeast. Of the... That's kind of where I live in Europe, and for me, it was always a dream to try and make it here to the states. I. I remember growing up out there in the in the deep forests of Norway, and I was watching Baywatch, and I was like, Man, I wonder if it's really like that over there. And now it I know is. how it is. it is like that. <laughs> so, Frederick, um, oh wait, yeah. Frederick, how's, how's the uh, Southern California weather today? I mean, you have that Nordic Viking blood. I mean, is it too hot it's out too, here? For it's you? too hot. It's so the thing is, I'm I'm actually a wimp. I don't really like the cold, so I didn't come here for the drifting. I came here for the weather. That's, <laughs> that's for sure. But it's it's amazing, obviously, being here. Uh, I go back and forth. I, I still remain a Norwegian citizen, 
but my better half, Hunter, she's from down here in San Diego, and she's actually Norway now. So we've really traded places. And <laughs> while she's used to 75 and sunny all year round, I kind of start to miss the seasons a, a little bit. So it's, uh, it's, it's always, the grass isn't always greener, uh, but it, it's, I have to say, it's really cool being able to go back and forth between the US and Europe, because then I can kind of experience uh, it all. So your home in Norway, uh, I know you guys are building a house right now out there, right? Is that in Xi or it, it, uh, is it, where is that? It's, uh, it's a little further south. So mm -hmm. if you have Norway is kind of a, a long country like this, right? So we're all the way down south, kind mm -hmm. of right here. And so we're probably 40 minutes south of Oslo, which is the capital. Okay. Mm -hmm. We're building a home, like you said, so Hunter, she's out there learning Norwegian and bossing carpenters and tilers around and, <laughs> you know, trying to make sure everything stays on track, which it does. So uh, that house should be ready soon. I know one Norwegian phrase, Frederick. I think it's a Omalupa Omatupa. Is that <laughs> Yeah, that, is that, I hear that, but to me, it sounds like absolute gibberish. <laughs> is it? I was I was taught gibberish from my Norwegian friend. Oh no! I think so. Luckily, he taught you something that that's gibberish and not just bad words, because usually that's what happens. Oh, but isn't something about home a nice home or something? Doesn't it? Honestly, I I can't make it out. To me, it sounds like Dutch, and Dutch to me sounds like a really drunk Norwegian. Norwegian friends. I think that uh, well, at least it wasn't a bad word. <laughs> right. It's, it's maybe it is. Uh, it's her accent, Sam. It's my accent. I know it's like oh, my little bubble. But it does region. I'll buy that. Okay. So Frederick, when you are when you were growing up, um, we wanted to we were kind of curious, like um, did you grow up rally racing in the woods and in the snow and you know, like when we imagine a driver from Norway, you know, they I, they're like out in the woods, right? Like drifting cars, you know, in the forest. Yeah, it, it's, it was kind of like that. So the first person that taught me how to rip the e-brake was actually my grandma. I remember it so vividly. We were going with Christmas grandma? shopping. My grandma. Wow. And, and I, I, she's been very influential in my upbringing. And uh, I remember we were going Christmas shopping. She had a tiny little Hyundai accent, I think. Mm -hmm. And we were, it was snowy. And that's just the way of life out there. We came into a corner, started understeering. She just, out of second nature instinct, pulled the e-brake, kind of sent it into a slide, kept the throttle <laughs> and kind of steered back into it and continued like nothing ever happened. I was like, that's awesome. Holy crap, that's awesome. And that, that, that was a very kind of defining moment that I still remember. And then uh, my dad was actually into rally or rally cross, but at a very grassroots level. Mm -hmm. uh, so he, um, a little bit later on, he got me into go-karts. Oh, okay. And I, you know, I didn't really like cars at first. Like we would go to car races and I would basically cover my ears and I was more interested in my mom's buns that she had been baking. And, and eventually it all came around. I started liking cars, did go-karting until we ran out of money. And then I pursued school, discovered drifting, and I was sold right there and then at probably the age of 14, 15. How did you discover drifting though? So this was uh, during the infancy of YouTube, uh, mm -hmm. or even possibly before YouTube. So I just came across some clips online. I was in, uh, I was doing uh, media school. Uh, mm -hmm. We had kind of like a special direction in high school where I could do media. 
so we were just trawling the internet and i came across these videos from from japan mm -hmm. i remember this very special video of katsuhiro ueo one of the original og drifters from japan yeah, ripping yeah. up this toge road in japan right Mm -hmm. uh, sideways in a Hachiroku a Corolla A86 and I was mind blown I was like this is the coolest thing ever <laughs> and uh, I think 10 years later I was battling UAO in Long Beach wow that's cool yeah. that's cool that must have been one of the old like option option videos or something like that totally yes so way back and when did you first start trying to do what you saw on YouTube so at first, I, I actually, I, I got a really basic uh, car. So my, my parents didn't really, they, they gave me a place to live and we had a garage. But at that mm -hmm. point, we were done with the go-karting. We didn't really have a lot of money. So I bought a $300 Volvo that mm -hmm. I would drive around and sell. I was selling vacuum cleaners door to door. Okay. Oh, okay. And, um, and that car I would take out at night and I would set up this little, Court, like we, my buddies and I, we would find little uh, deserted parking lots where we would set up little drifting courses. There was this local amusement park where we would drift in the parking lot to where, you know, they saw it on the cameras and cops showed up and we went <laughs> underground to these like industrial areas and we started kind of assembling a following in a scene. People would come out there to watch us. And it all got kind of out of hand where I was hooning it up on the streets. And I remember one moment where my dad and my mom came home in tears. Uh, some lady had told her at the store that your son's not going to get old if he continues doing this. And oh, that, was, that was the turning point for me. I decided to take it back to the track at that point. Mm -hmm. I took my scholarship for school. I mm -hmm. uh, put it into a basic build, a BMW mm -hmm. with my friends. <laughs> and we went to the track and won the first championship in Norway. Wow, and, and what car did, were you driving at that point? That was a BMW E30, so two-door, okay. three-series, 1986, absolute shitbox, really. Uh -huh. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, but but uh, we put a good motor in it, uh, E36 M3 motor, and and that was kind of my. I was never the best driver, but I think I mm -hmm. early I, I had a, a sense of figuring out what was needed to win. Mm -hmm. So I almost used that the looks or the poor looks of that car as my advantage. I always kind of looked like the underdog. So I would always kind of speak softly and, and never brag or anything, but I would try and just be, uh, be very focused and, and very smart with how I did my runs. And that was a silent assassin. Huh? Kind of. Yeah. Kind of. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Unassuming. Right. So people would, yeah. wouldn't be, you know, yeah, okay, got it. Yeah. How, how did you um, uh, end up here in the States? So, in, so at this time, I was doing my media school from the age of like 16 through 19. And then I did my college where I, I did a BBA, a bachelor in business in college. Mm -hmm. and, and while we were building these basic drift cars and all this stuff, and I, I got my first sponsor in Norway that allowed me to build a Supra, a Mark IV mm -hmm. Supra that they owned um, certain Is that Chucky? Chucky? Yeah. Yeah. So we built that car and in 2008, I had obviously been following Formula Drift from afar at that point. Mm -hmm. And uh, 2008, I heard about the world championships that were going to be held in Long Beach in oh, the fall. I remember that. Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, over the uh, by the water, by the port. Right? Exactly, right where they shot the intro scene for Fast and yeah. Furious. Yeah, and as yeah. you can imagine, for a for a twenty one year old kid from Norway, having watched Fast and Furious and mm -hmm. watched FD, I was like, "Did this? This is it? This is like the arrived." 
Exactly, <laughs> they arrived. And there was a kind of a petition period for that event where the top 32 teams from the world could basically apply uh, to join that race. And I knew that we were far from being one of the top 32 teams mm -hmm. in the world. But I, did, I took everything that I learned in school and put together this deck in this presentation, which was all mm -hmm. the highlights of our, of our drift runs, basically right before we crashed, all the best photos <laughs> we, we had, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. Heavily edited. Exactly. But try to really sell us as one of the, the pro teams. We were just a bunch of kids, you know. Yeah. And sent it, sent it off to Jim and, and Ryan mm -hmm. and Formula Drift, uh, basically the president and co-founder, and, mm -hmm. and uh, sat back, waited for three months. And then I remember getting an email back from, from Jim. And I still have his email framed to this day. Oh, it's really? a minor email. It says, Frederick, pack your bags, see you in Long Beach. Oh, wow. <laughs> <You know? laughs> how did, you guys, point, how did you guys celebrate that? <laughs> oh, it was, we actually got that email at an event in Norway. So it was kind of a late night, kind of ruined the next day, but it was mm -hmm. totally worth it. And, uh, <laughs> you know, next week, we, next was a, a crazy journey where I had never been to the States. My, my friends had never been to the States, mm -hmm. but we dreamt of it and we packed the car in a container got some small sponsors here and there, shipped it off to the States and booked a flight and landed in Vegas for the SEMA show, right. trying to find a tire sponsor for the event. I see. So as soon as we landed, so basically it was my 12 friends and my sister and my girlfriend at the time. Mm -hmm. and we all landed in Vegas in November mm -hmm. for SEMA show. And I remember as soon as we landed, all of my friends were gone to all the questionable establishments in, in Vegas while well, I was walking around the show, you know, with my basically begging for a tire sponsor. Yeah. I think uh, Sam was with uh, your friends. He was uh, leading them all. I'm sure. I'm sure they were looking for sponsors to sponsor their exactly <laughs> activities. Yep, yep. Yeah. So, so Frederick, I had this uh, uh, um, um, visualization of you when you're, you know, learning to drive on the snow in, you know, Norway, just learning car control, whether it's in your old Volvo, probably your old Volvo, because by the time you had your BMW, you're probably pretty good. So, I mean, is that true? Is, or is it my just like reading too many, too many books? Oh, it's very true. That's yeah. totally it. Yeah. So you're out there in the snow, just kind of sliding and learning about car control and all that? Yeah. So that's basically what every time it would snow, every night it would snow, we would just go out for hours, right? Go back and forth and through all these forest roads. And, and it's one of those where it's, it's in one sense dangerous, but in another sense, speeds aren't crazy high. When you go at night, you, you see the lights from, from the other cars. And this is something that I want and shouldn't and can't condone um, because it's, it's it was really sketchy and if I could do it all again I'd probably do what I do now which is go into the ice tracks mm -hmm. but but it's it's uh, it's what we did you know we found these deserted parking lots and we we're just playing and we learned a lot from that and that's you do learn a lot from that you probably yeah. Yeah. Um, what was your most sketchiest moment while you were out there? I mean, did you have any close calls where you go, uh-oh? All the time. Oh. Uh, but, you know, it, it would be, the, the thing is with the snow, because it's so slippery, you know you've screwed up a long time before you crash. <laughs> you know, you're not going to be able to stop. 
So Which we had a, have crashed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. I, I remember this one instance though, where I, um, I had a friend from my little hometown. He was kind of, he's a, I kind of envied him because he was a really cool guy, uh, but he was really cocky and he, he, uh, he always wore a cowboy hat and he always cruised around with all these girls in his car and all this stuff. And I remember I always, I thought that the only thing that I had was being a better driver than him. And I somehow, I had ended up deep inside a ditch and I was sitting there and I heard this guy from afar because he was blasting some country music in his old Mercedes. <laughs> he, and he was like, I was there, nose down into this this basically a ditch and he came around and he was like oh how you doing freddy you need uh you need a toe and uh, i was like screw this yes i need uh, a <laughs> or was he the that guy right <laughs> yeah that was a big blow for my pride right there <laughs> yeah. yeah the uh texan accent uh a norwegian yeah. guy with a texan accent <laughs> exactly exactly awesome yeah. so so you you came to the states um, and what year was your first full season with uh, Formula Drift? Yeah, so we did the 2008 World Champs, which was mm -hmm. one event in November. The next year, we, we left the, the Supra here. Mm -hmm. We did uh, one, we did Irvindale the next year, lost mm -hmm. that early, top 32, made a bunch of mistakes, both leading up and prepping. Mm -hmm. And that winter, my, my good friend Stefan Moy from Norway, mm -hmm. I'm sure you may remember him, Tara. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, I mean, yeah. We sat back in Norway and we're like, okay, if we are to do this, we got one more shot because we're running out of money. If we can't make it happen now, we're not going to be able to get sponsors. So we sat down. He actually moved in with me in Norway that winter. We sat down. We studied FD. We watched all the rounds. We, we, tr we tried to really be critical. What are these guys doing to win? And we put out an ad online on the Super Forums and asked, will, will anybody help us? We mm -hmm. can wrench. We can help. We can sell parts on eBay. And we'll work for a shop, whatever it takes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This local shop in LA, uh, FSR Motorsports, they they basically uh, bit on the offer, and uh, they're like, "Yeah, come over here, and uh, we'll go to Long Beach together." And that we did in uh, April of 2010, and that ended up being our turning point. We we uh, came fourth, uh, but at every Formula Drift event, you always have the winner. And then you have the moral winner that the fans wanted to win. <laughs> and at that event, we, I would say that we were the moral winner. Uh, and that led to uh, a good sponsorship uh, opportunity later on with Need for Speed. And we ended up doing five out of eight events that year. It became Rookie of the Year. And, um, and uh, yeah, the rest is history, I guess. Or the, that's when it all, the, the ball started rolling at that point. So yeah, Frederick, yeah. did you make the move to LA? I mean, physically move to LA at that point in 2010? Or were you still commuting back and forth? Depends who you ask. If you ask the immigration officer, I was just on vacation. Uh, but but we, we were kind of living out of a bag in, uh, for six months that year. My buddy and I, we stayed out of, out of the, we stayed in this rundown Motel 6 up there and you know it, it was we report everything we had into it and we were scraping by and i remember the final so well at Irwindale because we we were we were close to to getting that rookie of the year title we were actually fighting with the charles thing and that would be basically our our title this year that would yeah, be yeah. as good as we could do and um 
my parents were supporting from home and they were just mm -hmm. cheering us on and and all of our friends both in the states and in europe and and i remember we got to top 16 we got beat by von gitten jr mm -hmm. i walked up into the grandstands and I, my parents were just cheering from norway little did i know that they had actually traveled to la they were sitting in the grandstands oh, but they didn't oh, want to tell me oh you didn't know that they were there Yep, oh they didn't want to. They didn't want to stress me or put any extra pressure That's on. That's a me. big plane ticket, too. Wow! So that was uh, I cracked up, or, or I I got pretty emotional at that point. Wow. So that was that was what pretty cool. Grandmother, the one who she, got her grandmother the knee break. <laughs> she, she was out there, but but to this day, she's still watching the rounds in Norway, middle of the That's night, awesome. because of the time zone difference. That's awesome. Wow. Yeah. Did your did your grandmother then offer other potential Norwegian drivers tips to get them up through the ranks? Is that what her role is now, Frederick? I'm not sure she's not doing that. Uh, <laughs> no, she she would. My my grandma's the, the most lovely lady you'll find. She's very soft spoken, but very clever, very smart. She's a people person for sure. That's where you get your silent assassin thing from. Uh, maybe, maybe maybe a little bit, you know. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. So, so after that first season, is that? Um, when you signed with Papadakis and um, I think was that that Dubai event the first event with them yeah uh, that was actually not with them but we had signed at that point correct oh so, that's right that's right because Tanner was still with them for that event yeah yeah. Right. yeah so after that final event in 2010 went back to Europe and we were celebrating and we were happy and we knew that we had gotten a good sponsor need for speed the next year mm -hmm. and we thought that we were rich, you know, it was not a sizable sponsor, like a big sponsorship and I've learned later on. And we were hell bent on trying to compete against the best in FD on our still small budget. Mm -hmm. So when I, the crazy thing is when I got that call from Stefan Papadakis that mm -hmm. winter, arguably one of the biggest names in drifting, mm -hmm. uh, he had already a dual championship winning team, you know, with yeah. Tanner. Um, all the legacy that Steph had. He gave me a call and, and told me, hey, Freddie, um, you remember me, uh, Stefan? I was like, yeah, I remember you. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and he told me that Tanner's not gonna, Tanner's not gonna do drift next year. He's moving on to rallycross. And yeah. after a big, big uh, internal review, we want you to race for us. Mm -hmm. What do you say at that point? You know, it's, what did you tell them? <laughs> so this this is a no brainer. This is a dream come true for any drifter out there in the world. But this, I think, it also says something about my process and how I think. I told him, I would absolutely love to do that. I, actually, I got speechless, right? Because mm -hmm. I didn't know what to say. And then I yeah. said, Steph, this is incredible. Thank you so much. It's an honor. Let me think about this and let's talk again soon. So what I did is I sat down and I wrote down the pros and cons. Uh, this is my ana analytical self. Mm -hmm. What are the pros of working with Steph? What are the cons? Disadvantages, advantages. And there were both sides, you know? Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. One of them being that we wanted to beat beat them. We, right. we, you know? And we were hell-bent on that dream. And we thought that our package for the following year, improving the Supra that we had, would be mm -hmm. better than the TC that Steph and those guys would build. Right. And in hindsight, I think that would have been true. I think our Supra would have been better than the TC was that first year. Okay. But from then on, 
and this is why I said yes. The, mm-hmm. you, you simply don't say no to an opportunity like that. Yeah. And I, even though we struggled in that first year, the curve just went up. And Steph's yeah. taught me so many things, not mm-hmm. only about cars, but we talk more about girls and politics than we talk about cars. But, <laughs> but I said yes. We started this journey uh, we, with Scion, with t- eventually Toyota backing, did... Uh, not so great the next year, I think 12th overall, then sixth overall, then fourth overall, mm-hmm. second overall, and then we won a championship. Yeah, so, it, just, it just went up and up and up. It just kept on climbing. Yeah. yeah. So, and that was, we were all working very hard together. And that's Steph's ideology. Steph's extremely good at, at um, uh, not biting over more than he can chew. Mm-hmm. And he's also very good at, at figuring out who to work with. Yeah, and that yeah. goes for his partners, his vendors. I guess in hindsight, you could argue drivers. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so so it's 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 been a very very cool journey with him and the team. Did you feel like when you got that call and you were measuring the pros and cons that you would you would be kind of going against uh, like your you know your small tight group of friends that you know were just scrapping it? Did you feel like you were kind of letting them down and going going to a, a bigger team and more established team absolutely absolutely and and that was those were some of the talks i had in that period mm-hmm. figuring out how to do that uh in fact we actually brought moy my mm-hmm. my close friend that yep. that we have been working together on board he was my spotter mm-hmm. for the first year yeah. Uh, and then eventually ended up just idling in LA and all he really had to do was spot for me eight mm-hmm. events out of the year. Mm-hmm. So it didn't make sense, but, mm-hmm. but we did, did, we did it kind of gradually. And I think all of my partners understood. And, and one of the things that we said at that, when, when we first shipped the Supra to the States in 2008, there's a really nice restaurant up on the hills above Oslo. And I remember one of my close friends that had helped me with the car, he said, when we win the, jokingly, he said, when we win the championship, we're going to eat up there. So uh, seven years later, yeah. we did win the championship. Um, we were served a night for 65 people at that oh. restaurant. And wow. we, had, nice. we had dinner there. Nice. So nice. I've, I've tried to give back. And, you know, it's, it's hard to, to really, you can, you can never really pay back all of the people that have helped you through through a process like that but I, yeah. but I try as much as I can yeah well your success is also a form of giving back too. you know showing them how how well you're doing now too you know and uh, you know, winning championships and becoming the winningest driver in FD sure. history I mean who would have who would have imagined like out of all your friends including you that you would have 14 victories you know sure yeah in it's, 2020 yeah and they, like you said, they, they all kind of have a dog in the fight still. Mm-hmm. And they all love to make fun of me when, they, uh, when they're faster than me on the ice tracks back in Norway on the winter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you <know? laughs> and you put Norway on the map. I mean, uh, <laughs> some of these kids these days, they have no, they, I mean, some of them can't even find the Pacific Ocean on the map, you know? <laughs> sure. But now, you know, you, they, they know Norway exists. It's, it's awesome, you know? I oh, mean, yeah. Thank you. I, I mean, I, to be fair, I don't necessarily know exactly the state borders of Idaho either, you know? <laughs> so, and, and Norway, is, is, it's a tiny country in the grand scheme of things, right? We're six million people. It's pretty, but uh, it covers a lot of land, you know? Yeah, we do. We have a lot of, 
maybe the biggest coastline of any country. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So yeah. that's great. Uh, I think Taro, we were going to ask him if he had any drivers that he looked up to. Or... Yeah, yeah. When you were growing up, who, who were your uh, heroes? I've had a bunch of them. Um, uh, it's it used to be my dad. My dad was actually a really good driver in his rally days. He just didn't have the means or the, I think he didn't have the guts to really go after it, but he was a great mm -hmm. driver. Mm -hmm. And then once I discovered drifting, you know, it was UAO, it was Taniguchi, Burrito, mm -hmm. and then looking up to the FD drivers. And then that turned into, you know, I obviously had a, haven't had a lot of respect for the FD drivers. And then Ultimately, I wanted to to see if I could match them and, and go against them and somehow beat them. I I I, I had a lot of respect for Dai the way that he that he won. Actually, my mom I think secretly had a crush on Dai. Uh, <laughs> was I it the biceps, photo Frederick? Is that what it was? Was it the biceps that Dai had? Is that what it, it was? Yeah. yeah. We, won't, exactly we won't tell Dai that. We don't want his <laughs> head to get too big. Uh, I, I have a great photo of my mom and uh, Daijiro at one of the FD awards nights. Uh, mm -hmm. Great photo. Not sure my dad likes it, but. <laughs> uh... Frederick, you must have been a WRC guy, yeah? When you were young. You must have been a rally guy, no? Sure. I, I admire and I have a lot of respect for rally drivers, but I was always more of a rally cross kind of guy. Okay. I like mm. the stadium stuff more. Mm, uh, I now I have several friends in the WRC circus uh mm -hmm. mad respect for what they do with the notes and everything but i'm i was always more into the stadium sports um, yeah so like a P peter salberg or those guys weren't really your heroes or you didn't really yeah. absolutely they, they big were? admiration yeah. for peter and we're, we're friends you know today and actually raced on his go-kart team for a little bit uh oh very cool, very cool. yeah and then the way uh, that he's Sorry. Oh, sorry. I, I was just going to say that you uh, received the Norwegian Driver of the Year Award from Petter, right? Yes, correct. And he's, he's won that award several times himself. And yeah, when we won the championship, we uh, we got that. So that, that was really cool. And it's amazing when your, your hero and idol will now pass on the torch like that. So that was... That was good. That 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 FIA award ceremony was awesome. A lot better than the previous one where I had just lost my driver's license from speeding on the way to the award ceremony. <laughs> how fast were you going and how fast were you allowed to go on a way? It, it was really bad. It was um, in, my, in my old hometown and past a church. And I was I was actually going to a go-kart uh, thing earlier that day where we were promoting safe Oh. safe traffic it, it was it was horrible it was all bad but i went so it was a 50 kilometer an hour zone about you know, 30, no, 30 miles per hour right? about 30 yeah yeah something like that maybe 60 yeah. call it call it 40 miles an hour zone okay. and i was going 70 uh, in, i thought it would be worse but okay but that's a bad ticket yeah they're, they're pretty pretty strict out there i was going um I was driving an electric car, of course, and uh, and I remember the guy with the radar gun, like the cop was like, okay, this was way too fast. And in Norway, when, when you get clocked like that, you have to visually inspect the radar gun yourself to make sure it's valid. Mm -hmm. So he walked me over to the guy with the radar gun and the guy with the radar gun was like, took his glass up. Wait a minute, you're the guy from that drift video in Los Angeles. 
<laughs> it was really funny. You recognize you? Yeah. And the and they still like, make, they still gave you the ticket? Especially then. Oh, especially out, then. The, oh. Yeah, I got into the news and, and I had a lot oh, of apology man. to do. You made the front page of the local. Really? Yeah. You made the news, huh? Oh my God. Yeah. But, but that was 2015. And the thing is, I remember I had a meeting with a good friend of mine who was the manager of Rallycross Driver Andreas Backrude. And he said, we had a meeting and I was stressing out. I was like, what is Toyota going to do? Uh, what about this, the school that I'm working with, trying to be, a, a, you know, someone to look oh. up to and all these things. Oh, and, wow. okay. and he said, dude, this will be fine. You, you were speeding, but it was not that crazy. You know as well as I do that, that this can happen, but take this as a lesson. But now, skip Norway altogether this year. Go to the U.S. and focus on the FT Championship. That's what we did, and we won the championship. Wow. Wow. So are you like a famous person in Norway? Because I know you're in Top Gear Norway, right? So how, like, famous are you out there? It, it, not, not famous. Uh, it, it's... But enough for a cop to recognize you. <laughs> right? Call it... So, so a lot of people are into... If you're into cars, you will know what I do. Uh, but okay. call it maybe a... I don't know, B-list? Is that, a, is that a thing? Well, uh, yeah, but you don't want to call yourself B-list. Just say, you know, I'm, I'm almost A-list. You're a celebrity then, <laughs> Okay, right? almost A-list. I mean, you're already a celebrity, but... I mean, well, you're a celebrity like, here, you know. Locally, it's it must be a lot, right? I mean, for the it's, local guys. Especially walking into, like, gas stations and stuff. There's usually... It's enough to where I kind of think about it. And I... I, I, uh, I don't know. It's weird. I. It makes me think how think about how difficult it must be to be really famous oh yeah you feel, bad. You feel sorry for them you, you have no privacy yeah. sam sam can tell you about that no 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 right it's, it's there very you go. true oh no no but, uh, i mean i'm not even allowed to say his name it's a challenge you know? here's here's my deal i've been like recognized i would say maybe a hundred times in my career at road and right right uh, at the airport people want to take pictures of me but uh all 100 times i would say yeah dude, okay dudes so you, you got to chase never the paparazzi. A, never right? a girl, never a woman, never a <laughs> Always a guy. I'm going, dang, get it one. <laughs> so, so Frederick, you still have ties with Norway, pretty deep ties. I mean, you're going, you're building a house there, going back there. Are you? Yeah. Uh, will you? Will you be uh, doing anything to kind of maybe promote, maybe uh, br uh, groom any any Norwegian drivers from here on? You know, maybe get them into drift because you're the Pretty much the first one who really. Oh, Frederick, are you still there? It's, Can you hear me? Uh, yeah. Oh, great. I, oh, you're back. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You didn't like his question? No, I totally understand Frederick on that one. It's a totally great understand. I clearly don't have a grip on the electronics today. I'm sorry. But uh, I, yeah. I am. So I'm, I'm working with uh, several drivers. Um, cool. Uh, Ura, uh, who drove Chucky, the old Supra and Pro 2 and FT. Mm -hmm. he's, he's now more of an older, experienced driver. And they're, but there are all the kids uh, on the rise as well out there. The drifting scene's doing phenomenal in, in Northern Europe. Um, actually, right now, I'm working with a guy called Seaman, or Simon, um, mm -hmm. who is applying for a Pro 2 license in FD next year. He has a new A90 Supra, mm -hmm. uh, very committed, great driver, mm -hmm. one for the future. And, uh, you know, we work with a drifting school in Norway. My better half, Hunter, she's now drifting out there. She's actually, actually an ambassador for the drifting school. So I, oh, cool. I, I, I 
kind of think, you know, I've, I've gone from, I've done the whole spectrum, right? From a, an absolute amateur, not knowing what I was doing to a contender, to a champion, to now a veteran. Mm-hmm. And I think the next logical step would maybe be to help bring up new drivers in a more mm-hmm. systematic or, or structured way. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of it, a lot there that I can offer, but not only the driving stuff, but I think, like I said earlier, I don't think I'm always the best driver. I'm far from it, but I think I have a pretty good understanding of, of car setup, the way things work with sponsorship and, mm-hmm. and how you how that actually works. So there's a lot yeah. of Intel there that I'd love to pass on at some point. That's cool. That's cool. Hey, let's talk a little bit about your, your new car. So um, we had Steph on the, on the show as well. So in 2020, you, you debuted with the new Toyota Supra GR, right? Uh, yeah. Tell us, tell us about the new car. I mean, you won round one with it. Did you, were you expecting that you would just come out swinging and win the first round with the new car? Um, definitely didn't expect it. I, uh, just because I, I never expect to anything or, or, uh, I have high hopes, but I always try and prepare for the worst. And I, again, I'm very analytical. And going into the season, I felt like I had a good understanding of what our advantages would be, what our disadvantages would be. And it all kind of played out. And with all the technical stuff and, and what I knew we had in the car, with what the competition was doing, I always felt like the first event would be our event to shine, simply because of the nature of that track. It's a small Mickey Mouse track where you have a corner with an acceleration zone in the middle of the course. And those were technical aspects that I thought would work really well with our particular build. And that ended up happening. So um, we, I kind of went into the season with the mindset that, okay, this will be a learning process. We've done some testing, but we, are, we, really, we don't really know what, how we're going to do in, in the competition because that's a total, totally different ballgame. You can practice all you want on your own, but once yeah. you're in competition, it's a different thing. Uh, but if there is a track that we can probably do well with what we have, it's San Luis. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I think that's been our history a, lo- a little bit. We've often done well when there's new cars, when there are new tracks, when everyone's kind of on the steep learning curve. That's kind of when we've done well. And then we've fallen off when we go back to the same thing or, or when we follow up. That's when other guys can have more of an edge on us. How is it different compared to the Corolla? I mean, uh, Turk is doing great, right, right now. In, that was your old car, right? That, was that your yeah. old car or was that, right? So mm-hmm. he's doing great in your old car. How, yeah. how does it compare? How does the Supra compare to your old car? The, they actually feel similar when it comes to steering setup and stuff like that, because they're built, to, kind of, they're built to, to feel the same and they have very similar front end geometry. But the biggest difference is that the, the uh, Corolla has a longer wheelbase, mm-hmm. which makes it a little more stable. Um, uh, and that's kind of the one disadvantage with the Supra. It's very short and kind of twitchy, and, but also nimble. Yeah. Um, but the Supra also has a much lower center of gravity so if you if you really dig into it, if you look back at St. Louis where we were going against uh, Ryan, or even mm-hmm. in in Seattle where we're going against him, you kind of see the advantages and disadvantages where these two cars shine in different areas. Yeah. Um, and I, I would say that 
The biggest difference is placing the car because it's so short. The Supra is a lot shorter than the Corolla and I sit further back. So it took a little while for me to get really adjusted to where that tail is. I see. Uh, and, and obviously Ryan's done fantastic. He's been very, very consistent at a high level, three podiums, not a win, but three podiums, yeah. uh, which is how you win a championship. Yeah. So, um, and we, we, on the other hand, we've had one win, one second place, but we also had some tough losses, like mm -hmm. where I had my crash with Field in St. Louis and yeah. we blew yeah. the, the intake this last round. Mm -hmm. So, uh, well, we'll keep working. Um, it's, it's fun to be a part of the team now with Ryan because there's a lot of a cool dynamic happening, right? Mm -hmm. Internal competition as well as us having a lot of respect for each other. And it's really, I think it's really healthy and, and good. That's good. You have a rivalry going on with him a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's pretty obvious, you know, yeah. it's, it's, yeah. it's, but it's not, we, we are great friends. We get along really well. We have really mm -hmm. respectful battles, but mm -hmm. we definitely want to tear each other's throats off. Out the <laughs> yeah. You know, that's the way it should be. Right. Right. Um, so what happened with the, uh, so the battle with Matt Field was a little controversial, right? That was yeah. uh, so. What walk us through? Uh, explain to uh, James and Sam what what happened out there. Okay. Yeah. We so, have, uh, so we have video of that at all. Uh, I'll show it to you later. I don't want. I don't want to pull it up right now with the internet connection we have today. Yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> okay. Sorry okay, about so that. Basically, what it is in Formula Drift with the dogfight, you have the two cars launching pretty much together. They get out of a chicane where you try and slow the lead car a little bit so that both cars can have an equal run up to the first corner. What happened is, from a visual point of view, uh, Matt and I basically crashed right right after the the start box or start gate, basically. Um, and uh, this doesn't really to, happen that often. It doesn't really happen that often. Yeah, it, it doesn't really happen that often. But it's happened in the past. And basically, when you set a car up for drift, there there are many ways of setting the car up. You can have a big swing or a big feint, as we call it almost all the way to the other side of the track, or you can have a straight line approach. Um, St. Louis is a track where you can do all of these different things. And the current regulation in FD is basically to give the lead car the right of way. Uh, he can do whatever he wants. Um, with, in our particular battle, so if I try and be, look at it from both ends of the spectrum, Matt went out of the chicane, turned very hard left to have seemingly a really big swing into the first corner. And I was, I was on his side out of the gate um, and uh, he hit me there. From my point of view, uh, he came across harder than he had in any of the other rounds leading up to it. He's, he already had a little bit of a feint, but this one, it seemed like he came over even more than anyone had done all weekend. Um, and I, I think that there's two facets to this. One is we should have done a better job, anticipate that, uh, even though I think that would have meant that I would have had to go quite far to the track left. Um, but still, we should have anticipated that. And two, I think that was also a, 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 a plan and a way for him to drive that made it trickier to do the chase. Uh, but there were other guys later that learned from my mistake and our poor spotting prep and dealt with it a lot better than we did so mm -hmm. i think he, he he was in the right to do it but is it a little bit unsportsmanlike i i thought so 
mm. it's not the, the way it's in, in the intention because you also you have to allow for a chaseable lead and if mm -hmm. let's say you cut cut 90 degrees out of the gate uh, that would that would make it easy for the chase car so you know live and learn he moved on the the, the rules are, are written the way they are and uh, i think he was in the green so we'll uh, we'll learn from that and expect it next time so what he was trying was he trying to faint out is that what he was trying to do why is that why he swerved way way in front of you like that yeah so he, he was trying to have a really big feint. But if you, mm -hmm. if you really compared his previous run with, let's say, Farouk, where he still crossed over, the run with us, he crossed even more over. And I think, you know, you could argue that maybe they were speculating that we, I was probably already uh, playing with fire a little bit because I was mm -hmm. very close and on the side of everybody else on Saturday. So maybe yeah. they, just maybe, maybe they were watching that and thinking, okay, if we bait Frederick a little bit, maybe he'll hit us. But that's, you know, that's all speculation and uh, who knows. And they were in the, by, by the rules allowed to do that. Cool. Well, thanks for yeah. that clarification there. Um, yeah, you're, you're also, um, James, you have, you have a question? You no. were mentioning, um, well, you have you, another car. Yeah, right. You mentioned he has another, uh, Frederick has another car out. In yeah, I think when you just finished building one, Frederick, back home. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we built an A90 Supra in Norway as well, which has been really interesting trying to build that car during a pandemic with me being <laughs> locked down in the US. Uh, my, I have some really dedicated and great guys back home that have taken on that build. We got the car in December, uh, wrapped it up just recently. Um, and uh, oh yeah, here we go. My, uh, that's the blown intake from uh, Seattle right there. Ooh. Uh, what are you going to use the, um, the Norwegian version for? Mostly demos and these Gartebil events that we're doing that are okay. really fun track festivals, but it's also yeah. built to, to be legal for the Driftmaster series in Europe, the Russian okay. RDS series. Uh, so it, it'll be theoretically ready for all of those depending on what we do so mm -hmm. so the whole point is to be basically ready for anything that gets thrown at us we had a we had an 86 before and that mm -hmm. car we used for literally anything we used it in the snow in the winter we mm -hmm. put a hedge trimmer on the back and i was cutting sunflowers for a tv show <laughs> while drifting <laughs> you know we're, we're taking journalists for ride along it's it's it ended up in a movie basically a european cannibal run movie uh -huh. Uh, and so, so it's basically having a car that's ready for anything. What's the motor in the uh, European version? A good old trusted 2JZ. 2JZ, that's what I thought, yeah. So you guys are obligated to use the, uh, um, the BMW motor for uh, FD then? Yes, yeah. So, and, and it only makes sense. And I think it's only for the better too. I, I think the B58 that comes natively in the uh, mm -hmm. A90 Supra will eventually be better than the 2JC for drift applications because it's lighter. Mm -hmm. um, so so it's, it's been really cool pushing that bar and, and working with Steph and seeing how Steph does it. And we're now getting ready to test revision number two, uh, slightly different headwork and a stroker setup. And I, I have a lot of high hopes for that car, but it, or for the new motor, but mm -hmm. it's a very expensive and kind of developed it's a work in progress right now. So we, we, it didn't make sense to do that in Europe yet. Cool. Um, what other uh, new projects are you uh, working on? 
right now? R right now, it's it's wrapping up our house. Yeah, this video is. Uh, is yeah, what was this? Out. This is a Lambo. Uh, what is was this? The Urus. The Urus. Yeah, we were basically driving an Urus into the ocean and drifting oh, on the beach. And we, <laughs> we, we, we did a contest where we put um, different kinds of beverages on the hood of like a G-Wagon and a Bentley Bentayga and a Urus. And we did, we did basically an off-road race on the, on the beach to see and see who would end up with uh, the most amount of beverage still in the container on the hood. <laughs> <laughs> was, the hood was it put on the hood because that's easy to clean it inside the car like they might have done in other of the top gears? I, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yep. You know, it, but it's still kind of sacrilegious to, to cake up uh, carbon brakes with you know, rusty, yeah, salt, salty, salty water. I mean, it's not good for the car. Speaking so, of the, a lot of fun. Yeah, um, speaking of the beach, have you been uh, surfing at all? Not as much as I want to. I was actually out two days ago. It was amazing during that hurricane swell. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm right. I'm literally five minutes from Terra Mar. Oh uh, yeah, that's great. So yeah, right there. It's a nice little slow rolling kind of cruising wave. And when it's a little bit bigger, the left wakes up and, oh man, California living right there. <laughs> so after your house is built, are you going to be spending more time out there rather than over here? It's, it's a good question, Taro. It's, I, I don't really know. I don't know what the future is going to hold. What it looks like now is that we'll, we'll actually get the keys to the house start of November. Okay. And uh, I'll go home for one week, get the house of the keys, and then mm -hmm. Hunter and I will travel back to, we'll be gone from the house for two months. Oh, okay. Basically. Wow. So it's all kind of weird. And, and uh, I think our neighbors have realized that we're all a little bit different or weird already. So, <laughs> yeah. All right. Hey, Sam, uh, James, you guys have any more questions for Frederick? And yeah, I just wanted to know, Frederick, how easy is it becoming uh, doing the transition from being a driver to being like a TV host over on Top Gear? How's that been going for you? I mean, obviously, people <laughs> like myself are terrible at hosting and asking questions. So any tips you can give, I'd be greatly appreciated. That's what I will say. <laughs> no, you guys teach me because it's, it's definitely a challenge. I mean, it's, <clears throat> Top Gear is really fun <clears throat> because it's, it's, um, it's obviously a big responsibility right trying to jump after these guys and and the legendary legacy that that they that the original cast made but at the same time the, the whole top gear phenomenon is it's 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 grown so big now that you're kind of allowed to if you're now in that whole world you're kind of allowed to be yourself and and that's what we did in norway the the cast is it's myself being the, the race car driver and then it's petted who's basically um kind of like a fun older bearded guy that loves his uh, British Alvis uh, motor cars from 1923. And then it's Espen who's a rapper, Danish Norwegian rapper and, and artist. So we're all very different and diverse. And, and I was really concerned going into it. And I, you can kind of tell in the first episodes, I'm a little bit stiff, but from then on, we just did whatever we were ourselves. And at that point it was just fun. And quite easy because you know when when you're allowed to just be yourself and have fun with what you with in in a kind of a, a genuine way then i think that's that makes for the best tv anyway but yeah. there have been moments that have really stung and those are the moments when these guys have have won the competitions uh oh, <laughs> especially when it comes down to racing cars 
And I'll be honest, I didn't win all of those, so that kind of sucks. But does this mean that, because obviously there's a fair few different Top Gears now, especially in Europe. Is there any talk of maybe a Top Gear like European series where the hosts going head to head in different competitions? I mean, I think that would be well and truly great television. That's a great idea. That's a, I mean, those talks are above my, my head and pay grade, but I'm definitely down for that. I mean, they do like with the race of champions, right? It could just be like for one weekend where everyone comes together and competes in different things. Oh boy, that'd be that'd be amazing. That'd be a lot of uh, a lot of egos in one place too, but yeah. it would be a lot of fun. That's, and that's good television what, right, right for there. TV. Yeah, good television. <laughs> Big egos means yeah. good TV. Yeah. yeah, totally. I'm all for it. Hey, I got right. a question, Frederick. It's a geographical, cultural question, not a car question, but is there a uh, being, you know, one of the Scandinavian countries there, are you, is there a rivalry between countries like there, Sweden, Finland, uh, Denmark, or are you guys all pretty much friendly? And No, there's no rivalry. We like the Swedes. They're just a little mentally challenged. <laughs> okay. okay. How about the Finns? <laughs> no, seriously, we, we, we all, there is rivalry. Uh, a lot of my friends are, our Swedes and, and I have some Danes and, and Finnish friends as well. But the, the, I, I want to say this, like the Swedes, they think of Norwegians as being spoiled because we found oil and they're like, yeah, the, the Norwegians, they don't take care of anything. They, they just, they don't really care. Well, we think of the Swedes as being a little, sometimes a little bit cheap and like they're, you know. Uh, okay. Yeah. There's but there, someone who's cheap in any right country rivalry, right? Exactly. <laughs> but but if you look at the in the grand scheme of things, I guess the Swedes have done a better job at their own promotion. Because when I say I'm from Norway over here, a lot of people are like, "Oh yeah, my aunt's Swedish too." So a lot of people <laughs> think that Norway and Sweden is the same thing. Well, Frederick, I have to. I just checked online, and I have to uh, apologize beforehand. Is that dang phrase? It was my friend was Norwegian, but that phrase was uh, Finnish. I'm so sorry. Oh, there you go. I'm so yeah. sorry. That's why you didn't recognize it. But yeah, yeah, I think yeah. the mom was Finnish and the dad was Norwegian. That's why. Okay. And his last name was uh, Ericsson and Eliasson. That's could be. That's, it could be yeah, from anywhere. Of those. It could be, and that that's kind of a a uh, Viking uh, vi yeah, a name Viking. that stems all the way back. Yeah. So I do yeah. apologize that it was. Yeah. Oh, no if worries. I asked about the rivalry first. I'm like, oh man, did, did I just you know help <laughs> the heck out of? You know, so. I, I really Almost love the Finns. James Irish. You just don't do that, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> so. so okay. Anyways, thank you for being, uh, of course answering and being understanding. The, the well, Finns are amazing. I, I've been competing in Finland a couple of times, and the Finns are very they, reserved. They have all the Formula One drivers these days, you know. Yeah, and rally so, drivers. So, so when it comes to racing, Finland has a great system in place, and I, I don't know all the details, but they will basically. But the way it works is that the established uh, star drivers, they will help the, the up and coming drivers. They will pay for their rides and they'll, they'll invest like big money into that. Like a real right? Yeah. And then they'll, they'll keep uh, under the condition that they'll keep 20% of the future paychecks. That's not a mentor. That's a manager. Right, sure. <laughs> that's an agent. Oh my yeah, God. That's an agent. Wow. Uh, Frederick, yeah. why don't you maybe... We should do that, though. For yeah, all your up and get 20% of their pay, you might have the next Mika Hakkinen or Kimi Raikkonen. Sure, you know? sure. yeah. I, 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 uh, sure. 
<laughs> sure. Uh, that's what he's probably doing already, Sam. You're, you're probably, yeah, you're probably <laughs> yeah. already doing that. Okay. <laughs> so, wow, that is interesting. So that's kind of why they they're, they have these pretty much internationally known and quick drivers, huh? They, I, I think it's a big reason, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, instead of pulling each other's legs, right? It's like you have incentive to bring younger guys up and push them totally. forward because totally. you're getting you're getting older, right? You don't want to be like you have, you know, and you, you don't want to be out there risking your life. You anymore. share all your connections with them, right? You, yeah. you're, you're really get yeah. up. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Teamwork at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Well, that's that. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Well, thank you, Freddie, for your time and everything. It was really interesting catching up with you. We got to go surfing again sometime. Even uh, Sam let's started surfing, so uh, we should we should all go out sometime. That would be amazing. Let's uh, yeah, let's meet halfway. Maybe uh, San Onofre or San Onofre. Yeah, somewhere in Orange yeah. County, South Orange Good County. Part. We can do that. Party way. Yeah, let's do it. So um, uh, so we're, we're we're done with your interview, um, but uh, we're going to be. Uh, talking about other things happening in the auto industry, James and Sam and I, if you're, uh, if you want to stick around, jump in, feel free to stick around. Yeah. Your choice. And, uh, any, yeah. Any takes, yeah. any opinions you have, jump in. We'll even be asking you if you're, well, we'd love your input too. So that's good. I'll be here. Like. Okay. Awesome. Okay. So who's, who's next? You, uh, first, Sam. you sure? Okay. Yeah. I only have one car I'm doing. So um, mine is kind of short, but, uh, and James, I could uh, have you do the photos. And Whatever you're ready, Sam. You start talking, I'll start sharing. Okay. So anyways, guys, I, I don't know if you guys have been on the internet, uh, but this week, uh, a teaser image of the next Subaru BRZ was released. And there was a message saying that the new car will be uh, coming out this fall. And we hear it's like November, like next month. Uh, originally, we anticipated the release of this car in spring of next year, but evidently uh, they moved the timetable up. So the teaser, teaser image, uh, I don't know, uh, James, do you have it up? Yeah. Uh, yeah, you see here is uh, the front wheel and a small portion of the fender, but um, someone was actually naughty and snapped the photo during the 2020 Subi Fest world record attempt and charity drive. Uh, and they put it, I think it's on social media or something, but we have, a, yeah. yeah, we have that photo behind a veil. Uh, but this is enough to tell us that the information collected by our Otaku spies before when we covered the car is pretty legit. So the, we, what we know is this 2022, 2021 or 2022 Subaru BRZ will be built on an updated version of the current platform. So, you know, the same Toyota 86 uh, BRZ platform. Uh, but this platform will be lighter and it'll have a lower center of gravity and it'll also be more rigid. So uh, it, the handling is going to be noticeably improved from uh, the current car. Uh, the wheelbase stays the same as the current car, but the and the suspension setups uh, up front, which are struts and uh, the double wish ones at real rear, will stay intact. And the cars, as you can see from that uh, little uh, spy shot that that guy took, the car's oversize is going to be about the same too. Mm -hmm. uh, what we know for sure is the rear is going to look completely different than the current model. Um, as you can see, um, you know, from the, the spy shots too, and the rendering from best car that we got, the taillights are gonna be totally redesigned and um, the rear deck will have a small ducktail shape. So it doesn't have that right now. And uh, also the, B, the BRZ at least, and uh, we don't know about the Toyota 86 version, but the BRZ will at least will be one of the safest cars in the segment because Subaru's gonna 
uh, install their eyesight safety technology, you know, which has all this stuff from lane keeping and, uh, you know, all the crash avoidance, all that kind of stuff. Mm. Uh, the big news on, on the uh, engine is it's not going to be the two liter uh, FA20 flat four anymore. It's going to be the 2.4 uh, liter, which they call FA24. So it's pretty much the same engine, just mm -hmm. uh, you know, a larger displacement. Um, and although we're we heard and we were hoping that there was going to be a forced induction version, you know, whether it's supercharger or turbocharger, uh, there's no turbos for this uh, next car. It's going to be naturally aspirated. But power is going to go up 10% to 220 horsepower or 220 PS, or you know, whatever you use. And torque is going to go up to 177 pound-feet. Uh, and that's a bump from the current car's 151 pound-feet of torque. And, and these are for the six-speed manual model. I don't know what the, uh, we, don't, we haven't heard what the uh, numbers are going to be for the automatic uh, transmission model. But uh, because the torque is going to be increased, uh, the, uh, my otakus, our otakus are telling us that the car's red line is going to go down from 6,400 RPM uh, to 5,500 RPM. So uh, the, that means the torque band is going to be more concentrated in the low to mid, uh, the mid range, which means it should have better acceleration or feel, a better acceleration feel, and yeah, hopefully uh, better zero to 60. Uh, oh, it will have better, better zero to 60 uh, acceleration times because it's got more power, more torque, and uh, the car, we don't, we haven't heard if it's going to be heavier. It'll probably be at the same uh, ballpark when it comes to uh, 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 curb weight. So anyways, this is how what the uh, BRZ is shaping up. We don't have that much longer to wait until it comes up. Uh, you can see the big uh, grill in front. So uh, and the headlights, it's hard to make out with this wonderful camouflage paint, uh, whatever decal or whatever it is, but uh, the front isn't going to change that much. And if you guys, I think you guys, we all like the front of how the car looks right now. Um, it's, it's still going to be a pretty attractive car. And I personally like the new rear end. Um, James, can I get a shot of that rear? There's the one that, there's the naughty, that's the naughty uh, picture that someone snapped with the veil in it. Yeah, there it is. So that's how uh, um, uh, the rear is going to look with, uh, instead of the uh, taillights now. So uh, any thoughts, James, Tarl, even uh, Frederick? Um, I'll go okay. first. I mean, yeah, I think it, uh, it, I mean, it's, everyone we've always said, we've, we've all driven the car, right? Um, we always thought it needed about 10, 15% more horsepower. This gives Absolutely. it that 10, that gives it that 10, 15% that you look at, that everyone's looking for. Yep. I mean, I think, I think it's a winner. I mean, it still looks, the car looked good already. It still is going to look good now, but maybe this helps it. The, the rear taillights help differentiate a little more than its current, uh, uh, obviously, the Toyota version, the GT, or however, 86, however you want to call it. I, so, I'm wondering if the, G, uh, the Toyota 86 will kind of mimic these taillights, too. I don't know. I, I, heard, I hear they're going to look alike. So. Well, who knows? I mean, we're just going by this as the Subaru. Well, maybe they are going to look alike, and we don't know. But, yeah, I mean, I think it's always good. I mean, that's what everyone's been asking for, 10 15% more power, and that's what it's going to give. So it's what, what, what we've always said, and hopefully it just delivers on that. And I, do we, I'm going to guess it's probably not going to, it's probably going to have a small price bump, but still probably stay around that similar yeah, price, yeah, yeah. right? It's going to, yeah, it's going to be a little more expensive. And the BRZ, I think, has been traditionally a little more expensive than the 8.6 anyways, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah, I think so, yeah. It's a Just a, a, a margin, like $1,000 more maybe yeah, at, the, yeah. at the sticker price. But yeah, 
No, I mean, I think it's a great idea. So you like it. You're, you're looking forward to it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Carl? Yeah, I'm definitely uh, thumbs up for me. I mean, this, uh, you know how I enjoy driving the, the GT actually even more than the Supra, probably because there's a manual transmission available in this model. Mm. Um, it's a light, you know, it's a, it's a fun car, right? It's, it's a fun. very fun. Yeah. Nimble car, light car. It was fast. Um, it was faster, but yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I thought it was, you know, perfect to just, you know, uh, take it around the track and fly around in it. I, I didn't feel like it, it needed any power. It was, it was really fun, especially on a small track, like, uh, streets of willow or something like that i mean it's, it's it's totally fine and if it's uh added a couple more horsepower i mean yeah that that's you know yeah. hooray let's i'm go for very it. disappointed that there isn't an sdi version with turbos you know one that's yeah. 280 to that's, 300 that's what we've all been asking for i think this chassis can totally handle it you know the car set up i mean mm -hmm. like you said i totally agree with james i totally agree with you that it felt underpowered but uh, let's 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 get the opinion of the uh, the, the drift master uh, because this is a rear drive car, so it's, it's very driftable. But with that torque, I don't know. But anyways, what do you think, Frederick? And what? Well, uh, give me your take on the eight six now or the BRZ, sorry, Subaru, uh, and uh, and what you you know what what you think of the new changes for the next car. I think this looks great and it looks like the natural evolution, right? Of the first yeah. generation. And I was and still is a big fan of the of the first gen eighty six and the BRZ. You know, we 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 campaign one in Europe, we campaign one in Japan with the NASCAR motor and like you said, the we, we even run a car though. Once you put the NASCAR motor in there, yeah. sure. But but like you said about the chassis being able to handle more power, they definitely are because we ran a thousand horsepower through the factory diff casings and of oh, course, they didn't really? last forever. Yeah, of course not. It's gonna, but, yeah. but but they lasted a really long time. So I I, mm. I think when that when the first gen originally came out, that was a god's gift to all of us that are into to more affordable and I, I want to say sports cars that were that are built the way sports cars were built back in the days, yeah. right? Because they're lightweight. Sure. Yeah. You didn't have all the all the all the fancy extras it's just back to basics and it's really yeah. cool that they're retaining that for the new generation and i i may or may not know a thing or two about the a possible sister car but i can neither confirm that uh <laughs> today but uh but i'm really excited for for this new generation and what's to come i can say that Mm, that's what a possible really, sister car? That's what are you a about, really complicated way of. <laughs> Frederick, you're the one who brought this up. <laughs> I like that. I like that we didn't even uh, probe him, and he was just like he gave in straight away. He like rolled over and was like, he offered it. He offered it. my tummy. Yep. I guess it's bragging. I did. I didn't mean to do it that way, but it's. But I. I I have to say, I, I think the the added displacement is the right move because. I loved drifting a factory 86 that we did a lot of demos with those. You know, we even had Akio Toyota out at uh, Toyota headquarters drifting in a factory one and mm -hmm. just a little more grunt and a little more torque would be perfect. Yeah. Then you'd be, you could be ripping third gear instead of second. Mm -hmm. yeah, but, uh, okay. So the new uh, G Toyota GT will also possibly have a little bit more <laughs> 
more horsepower. <laughs> well, we, we would no, all like to think. It's going to be the, I don't know what you're talking about. It's going to be exactly the same, I think, you know, because they're, right? they're all the same engines. They're pretty much the same spec. Oh, they haven't announced anything yet, though. Well, the yeah, side. that's why. Well, the yeah, side. Yeah, yeah. So, Frederick, you're really not going to be in trouble or safe too much. I mean, they are the same kind of car. But um, do you find that you, you like the balance of the car? I personally really do. I really like it. I I had one as a street car in LA, and I loved hooning that thing around. And mm -hmm. uh, the only thing that I perhaps didn't like when, when I had friends in town and we were going places and we had to bring luggage, but that's not what that car is for. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think it's a great car. It's a great drift chassis. Um, it's, it's small, it's nimble, it's low center of gravity, uh, which is really important. And maybe the next the next big thing in drifting is to keep the center of gravity low. So right. uh, really stoked to see these cars still stick around. I, I will say that I think that Toyota do, and Sam before them did a really good job uh, with the car in regards to the special limited editions they do with it and the color schemes they put together. I always thought the colors, I mean, the most recent one, the Harpone in the green, yeah. I mean, it looks fantastic. And they always do a real good job of hitting like a real like sweet spot where like that's a really nice piece of paintwork on that car mm -hmm. to make it just a little bit special compared to the regular ones you see. How mm -hmm. important do you think is, is it, Frederick, that they retain the manual gearbox in that thing? I think it's extremely important because there are, you know, the more we move as a society towards EV and cars that drive themselves and people being detached from the driving experience, the more I think we'll have a counterculture to that with all of us guys and girls mm -hmm. that are really into actually driving. So I think yeah. just for the sake of, of keeping us sane, I think it's really important. And we, we are big ambassadors and perhaps some of the more vocal about what we want. And, and even if it's a smaller and smaller group of people that will buy manuals, that doesn't mean it's not an important group. So, mm -hmm. so I, I'm all for it. And the more cars that are like this that are available as a manual, I think, I think it's gonna be super important for even for the models to succeed. So you, uh, do you miss it in the new Supra? I, I know it's, I have, it might have been difficult because it's a BMW, everything's a BMW setup and it was didn't come with the manual, but. Um, yeah, I, I have to be honest, I, I, I do, but at the same time, I miss, I miss the clutch pedal more than I miss the actual transmission. Because when we drift, we use the clutch a lot. We actually steer the car with the clutch. Mm -hmm. So I don't really miss the, the concept of shifting, mm -hmm. but I miss having some kind of clutch pedal to detach the drive. But then, mm -hmm. right? But the, then again, I'm probably less than one percent of a buy group, and and I'd much rather have a Supra, <laughs> much uh, yeah. yeah, with automatic than no Supra at all. And and uh, you know there are ways of of doing this, but that's maybe one idea for the aftermarket. If someone could figure out a way of tricking these uh, automatic transmissions into some kind of half slipping clutch mode, mm -hmm. I would definitely buy that uh, <laughs> that uh, little uh, pedal. Little bolt-on kind of a thing. <laughs> yeah. Bolt-on pedal. That would be yeah. Okay, so I think we're we all are excited uh, that the BRZ stole around. Uh, it's going to get a little bump in power. Um, I think it needed it too. Um, so let's hope uh, it stays around the same price and uh, it comes out. And yeah, it's great to get your. I'm glad you stuck around for this one, Frederick, because I mean you have a lot of experience with that car, right? So or the Toyota version, but you know it's the same car, so. Yeah, and I'm I'm glad like a Toyota racing, a Toyota ambassador like like Frederick is actually going out, you know, saying that the the manual transmission is important. You know, it's a small percentage of, of folks, but I mean, 
you know, they're, they influence the, that 1% really influence, I think the, all, all the people around them on, on what cars to purchase. So uh, a manual is, is definitely yeah. important. Art of heel and toe is, you know, it's going to, it's going to disappear from the, you know, disappear from the earth. So it will eventually yeah. it will for some of us who could still do it, you know, <laughs> so, yeah. All right. But anyways, that's my, that's, that was my segment. Thank you guys. Uh, and, uh, Thanks. Good well, report. Yeah. Well, I think that's a the nice switch over to me so I can talk about the cars that I'm uh, sort of reviewing this week. And Sam, unfortunately, I don't have uh, photos because just got dropped off yesterday afternoon. Okay. So I didn't get a chance to take photos. over. So Manual have to transmission. Yes. Well, no. So this is the fun, th funny thing. See, so I've got the, um, the Mazda Miata RF, mm -hmm. but... Mm -hmm. It doesn't have the manual transmission. I've got the automatic transmission in it. Oh. <laughs> exactly. So you know, I James, you know, James uh, back to uh, the gearbox point. I mean, with the 8.6 and the BRZ and the Miata, these are cars I do not want in an automatic transmission. I mean, no, Fred, I, saying Supra, well, at least we have the Supra with the automatic transmission. But these cars I, I wouldn't want in an uh, automatic. Uh, how about you guys? Look, the I, Miata, no way. Yeah, I'd, I'd say Miata. the same thing. I said there's a there's a car that I'm comfortable in shifting in automatic. I mean, shifting in a manual and going fast. And then when you get to a certain horsepower point, I'm like, I'm actually happy. They've got some technology that can sort of help me out and keep me on the straight and narrow. But I do agree that a, a BRZ, uh, an '86, a Miata, anything that's like less than 300 horsepower, I'll say, right. definitely a manual every day over that. No, Maybe automatic. they gave you the automatic because of the stunt you pulled uh, yeah. with me in the with me in the passenger seat. The well, that day. was, I mean, that was the above, uh, Tara. <laughs> but they saw how well I handled it, and they were like, "Well." <laughs> Maybe we just got to calm him down because he's such a performance-oriented driver that uh, we need to give him a, an automatic. Frederick, what James what did, he did, a, he did a, let's just put it a 380-degree drift. <laughs> so, so it's a spin. <laughs> and, and, and Frederick, the funny thing about this spin is it gets more and more degrees every time. Yeah. See, that's the thing. See, I understood it as I might have accelerated in the back end, may have slightly shifted a little bit. Uh -huh. Taro suggested, who was the passenger, that maybe I was, he told Sam he was facing the other way, which is not <laughs> obviously what happened. And Sam just made go even more around in a full circle. So, so by the time anyone else hears it, it's going to be, I spun, uh, I was doing a 720, and I just flipped around and around and around and around and around. But well, Frederick, you know? Frederick, you have to be impressed, because I was very impressed that James actually spun a Fiat. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, kudos. A viper or something big? Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah. yeah. How do you spin up? That is that is that is something. That I is. Still, <laughs> I still like the fact that this is completely not true, but it still goes along with it, which is the best part of all. Um, okay, so, back to your, sorry, James. Back to your review. So no, well, no. I mean, the Miata is a great car. I've I've driven several of them now. Obviously, driven the Abarth as well. Driven the Fiat as well. Um, I mean, we all talked about the latest one where it went up to 180 plus horsepower was a fantastic change. It's made it good. Maybe it could do with a little bit more horsepower. Um, that'd be a little bit like a 200 plus. I have a feeling if Toyota and Subaru got that way, I have a feeling that Mazda might push it up a little bit more as well in another iteration. Um, but I really do like the, the hard top that this car comes with. Mm -hmm. I prefer it over the soft top. Um, I think when you're going at higher speed, it drops that volume down in cab. 
um, and just makes it a little bit quieter, which is great if you're, if you're going to be using this car to commute in. Um, it doesn't really impact the, the boot space is what I'd say, or the trunk space for you guys in regards to that. It's still always been pretty small, but you could you always put like a small suitcase in there anyway, and that's about it. It's almost a target, isn't it? It's not really, yeah, yeah, pretty much like a target top, especially when you see it down in like the previous one with the, right. the bubbles at the yeah. back kind of thing. Um, but I think, I mean, honestly, it looks really pretty. Um, and that's, that's what I like about it the most. I think it looks really good. I think it's, to me, it's aesthetically pleasing over the soft top. Um, I know it's a, it's a little bit more expensive, but I, if I was going to be buying it, um, I would spring for the extra to get the hard yeah, it top. Looks better, it looks better than the soft top too, you know, with the top up, of course. But, um, and the other thing I definitely would do is I definitely want to spec the car with the Recaros and the Brembos, which I think is like a $4,600 uh, option on top of that. So when I spec my version of it out, it's it's with delivery. It's over the 40k. Um, 40k for this? Yeah, yeah. So I think it's the it's a three grand premium. I think over the soft top. So I think it's like 37. I think for specking up the similar one. And then I also put the like the the strut brace in and the the strength thing bars that they put underneath as well for another 1500 dollars. Hey, hey, what's the uh, what? Do you know what the base price of a regular MX-5 Miata is? I think, I think it just is at 29 something, 29 plus change or 30 plus change. Yeah. Well, that, well, that's because I've got the, the, the Recaros and the Brembos, you've got to think, play the promoter. That's, that's 4,600. So at the 33 at this start, the 40, uh, 46, that's 37. But I mean, if anyone knows, if you're buying Recaro stock to put in your car, you're paying, you're paying at least $1,000 for a car, right? Yeah, of course. Bare minimum. Yeah. Hey, James, how, how tall are you? I'm just shy of six foot. Okay, so how 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 getting in and out of the car with the top in was it? Absolutely no problems getting in and out of the car. And then it, when I'm sat in the car, they've got the telescopic steering wheel now, which gives you a little bit more play if you want to do that. But I mean, I've still got my if I spike my hair up and give myself an extra inch that I'm touching. <laughs> Your brush. Uh, okay. Yeah, six, but nothing. Six one with the gel. Yeah. So. <laughs> Uh, since that stack can go like all get pushed down, I have no problems. I, I really think it's comfortable in the car. The funny thing is this part next to uh, the Fiat, it's almost the same size. So I've got like the perfect garage setup at the moment. I could just put two motorcycles in there and then I've got a perfect little garage setup now. But um, obviously I'm still big thumbs up on the Miata and I even like it even more in this combination. I just wish it had the manual and the Recaros in that make it so much more comfortable. Frederick, do you have uh, uh, much uh, seat time in the new Miata? I don't, you don't? Um, I really don't, but I've, I've always kind of been a fan. And I remember I, I went to Okinawa uh, in, in Japan, um, that military island south of mm -hmm. Japan. Okinawa, yep. mm -hmm. yeah. And they have a really big um, autocross scene or Gymkhana scene. And those oh, yeah. guys, and it's a really interesting place because you have these big burly American Texans that, that walk around are very respectful with Japanese manners. And those guys are all into that scene and they all drive these Miatas. You have these big soldiers and these tiny Miatas. Yeah. And one thing that comes to mind looking at this car is, you guys know how every generation of any model car, they always grow and get a little bit bigger. Oh my God, like, yes. yes. Right? So yes. my question to you, James, does it feel uh, as nimble and small and compact as the previous generations or does it feel like a, a more grown up or bigger car now? 
I think it feels like uh, it doesn't feel grown up or bigger. The only other one I've driven has been uh, the six speed special edition they did that my friend had. It still feels very similar in size. I know they did the bigger versions and they slimmed it down a little bit again. But I'm, I just think that this one, the looks on this, make it look much more classy, if that makes sense. Uh, mm. And I think it's aged very well. And the funny thing is, obviously, I mean, everyone's into modern cars now. And look, we all drive around Los Angeles and almost every second car is an SUV. And when you pull up next to them in your Miata and you're just below their door handle level, it, it's kind of humorous, the fact that there's not many cars like that anymore, where you come up to, you're so short compared to everyone else out there on the road and it is a great size it's nimble it's fun to drive around i mean let's be honest even in the automatic it's still fun you can still zip around in and out it's still you can go the manual mode and push it all the way to the red line it is a little it's certainly you can tell because it's like a second slower to 60 than the the manual one but it, i mean it's still just fun to just zip around and go up and through those gears kind of thing and just run through them in the, the automatic mode and the manual mode i should say but um, yeah, I mean, I like it. There's not many cars out there that, I mean, even still, if you put this next to the Toyota or the Subaru, they're still much bigger comparatively. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a nice little throwback. I mean, I like it. I like Frederick, how, how tall are you, Frederick? Are you, you're like 6'2"? Yep, exactly 6'2". Yeah. So you can yeah. squeeze in this easy. I think anything more than 6'2", oh, yeah. you're in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not with this helmet on, though. No, I mean, no, but then you just take the not. roof down. Yeah, yeah. You need the put the roof gurney, down. gurney bubble. Oh, yeah. you need the gurney bubble, exactly. No, no, look, you just go, look, this is it. He's just going to be like this guy. There, see, you just like that. The helmet's on. Oh, yeah. You've got, it's unlimited, unlimited space. <laughs> I mean, you can pack everything you want in there. It's like the, the world you're So, sure. yeah, so, so I'd say again, I mean, I'm still, I mean, there's people out there that say uh, Miata is, what is it? Miata is answer to everything. Or Miata um, is always the answer. I think it is. Is that right? Miata. Miata is always the answer. But um, it's true. It's a really, really good car. This is one I definitely take. Yeah. I like it. I like it. I like this car. Yeah. I'm a fan of the Miata. No, I've always been a fan of the Miata. I think it's like one of those, as you know, Frederick was talking about the eight six and stuff. It's a pure car. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. With, yeah. You know, it's a pure, purest car, uh, sports car. Yeah, gym by tight, you know, yeah, they're, 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 they're that's the motto. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's the motto of the car. And I think uh, it's, what else uh, you got for us, James? Uh, so now we've got, I've got a difficult question for you. So you've got five cars to choose from. So the question is, when I pull them up, which one are you going to pick? Oh, cool. Uh, then we'll all pick, uh, see what. Oh. So these were all limited edition uh, MSO McLaren Senna's yes. GTRs that have been all gone to clients. So the question is, which one are you going to pick of these five? These are obviously the five that raced at uh, the 1995 at Le Mans. Mm. The Weno Clinic car is the one that took the win, which is this one is the mm -hmm. winning car, obviously. Yeah. Um, but which one of these cars are you going to take home? Which is your favorite hey, livery? Carl, what was the Ueno Clinic? Is that like for male something? I don't know. I think some uh, just rich doctor wanted oh, okay. to be a race car driver and uh, oh, okay. he sponsored. Oh, okay. It's just a regular a clinic. Team. I know there's yeah. some weird clinics over there. Yeah, yeah. Personally, I like I like the golf. I like the golf too. I was gonna so say the golf. That. So the golf. But the the interesting thing about these is that these paint jobs are all painted, 
and there's very few actual uh, transfers. The only transfers on there are actually the official Lamol ones that they've got on the roofs. So I'll try and see if they can put together where it's showing the, um, there, so see these ones, the green, mm -hmm. that's the okay. official transfers, but everything else is painted. So these cars took over a thousand hours to paint. McLaren said that once the cars wow. got past a thousand hours, they stopped counting for the paint in regards I, to- I think this together. one is the most, uh, you know, art, artistic, you know? Yeah. I mean, okay. I wouldn't mind this one either, but- so this, this one was uh, conceptualized by a Brazilian artist, as far as I remember correctly. Oh, uh, yeah, I like Brazil. I like Brazil. So, and then this is obviously the Harrods car from mm -hmm. the famous Harrods department store with Mohamed Al-Fayed and his son sponsoring the team. Exactly. Mm -hmm. too, too, too British for me. Uh, then you've got the French <laughs> offering, which is one of the, I think, the third car to feature the Tricolor on track, uh, which hadn't happened before. Not um, kind of the French here on this stuff, though, yeah. But yeah, and then this was also a, this was also another French entry. This one what? that you like, Sam. Yeah, with all this American flag stuff going on. Oh, yeah, wow. um, and then uh, like the French. I mean, look, you've got the Weno Clinic and the Union Jack on the side. I mean, what more what, what do you want? The, the, the Weno Clinic one looks more like the Batmobile. That's kind of the badass, you know, kind of it's all black. But yeah, I like the golf one. So Sam Tower, you're going with the golf. Frederick, which one are you taking? Well, I, I'll be happy with the yellow one. I mean. If they're, yeah, I, I, I can deal with that. Oh, okay. Herds, yeah. You're, you're, like a, you're, like a, you're like a moving advertisement for yep. a department store. <laughs> that plus it has my number, it has 51. Oh, that's the only reason. It's actually mine. <laughs> that's, that's actually your car. Yeah. You got a new sponsor, Harrods, congratulations. Awesome. So. Huh. Wow, that's cool. Love the, uh, the throwbacks. And then so obviously, cool. if, you have, if you have to ask the price, you generally can't afford it, I think is the way that... Uh, okay, so we won't ask the price. Yeah. How much are they? <laughs> uh, uh, no, they... People uh, afford it. Uh, McLaren suggested that if anyone wants to know the price, they could ask the owner. If the owner wanted to tell them, then they'd let them know. Okay. 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 But uh, it was apparently the first time, for example, that all of, they've been able to get all these um, companies like Harrods and the ACO, uh, the racing... To does that runs Lamar and what have you, um, to offer their up their liveries to go on cars. They haven't done that before, so it was just a lot. You can imagine the paperwork involved in getting all these companies to sign off on borrowing their logos to put together. It'd be quite a challenge. You know, it would have been nice to kind of put one in the Brazilians. They, you know, since it is called the Senna, I, you know, I would have thought they would have kind of made it look like his helmet or. Something Brazilian. Isn't the, they isn't all had the his Herod's one. Isn't the Herod's one like the Brazilian color? Well, yeah, it's yellow. But they all they all featured his autograph on the side. Yeah, I know on the rear fender. I saw that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, not all of them do, but some of them do. Oh, they do. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, cool. 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 So that was the first one, and then I think that the only other thing that I wanted to talk about was uh, motorsports news. So I think that the first one was uh, Honda leaving. Uh, Formula One to go to IndyCar. What's the thoughts? Oh yeah, that's uh, that's sad. That's yeah, that's a disappointment. Uh, it's sad to see uh, Honda leave. It's always sad to see Honda leave F1. I don't know, Frederick. You're probably way too young for this, but when I was following and I loved F1 was when Senna was uh, driving, and you know he was always in the Honda, McLaren Honda. That's where he won most of his championships. So yeah, it's sad for me. You know, I mean. Uh, Frederick, did you ever follow Formula One or 
was a fan of it? I always, matter of fact, and I've kind of watched from afar, but never religiously until maybe the Netflix series, you know, I started, I really like that. The, what is it? Drive, live to drive? No, drive. I don't know. But anyway, the, that show was pretty good. Yeah. Uh, so, and, and, you know, I, I, it's, it's so far-fetched from what we do and it's, it's a different world and all that, but I can appreciate all the, all the efforts that go into it. It's really mind-blowing some of the, the, the tech stuff they do. It really is. Oh, well, yeah. well, Formula One, you know? The first yeah, time. yeah. All, all I was going to say was, I mean, it looks like they're going to be focused on the IndyCar engines, which are going to be 2.4 liter twin turbocharged V6 hybrid power capable of producing more than 900 horsepower. Now, and then I was thinking, um, doesn't Honda already have a six-cylinder sports car, twin turbo hybrid car that produces maybe six or close to 600 horsepower? And what would it be like to put that 900 horsepower engine inside that 600 horsepower car and see how that went? Cool. You, you Especially if it's an NSX. You're yeah, about the NSX. Okay. Yeah. Mm, yeah. So the NSX is a six, I mean, it's six cylinder. Right, right. right. It's hybrid. Hybrid, yeah. And what you're going to be making a six cylinder hybrid for IndyCar. Why can you not adapt and make it and go for something else, right? I mean, they haven't got an out and out hypercar. So maybe it's time for Honda oh, to come oh, bring a hypercar. So use this IndyCar engine for a supercar, hypercar. Yes. Hypercar. Oh, mm. I see. That'd be cool. Mm. Well, it would be cool, but you know, uh, well, and since Toyota's coming out with the, you know, that Super Sports GR. Exactly. Yep. But yeah, but I, you know, the NSX for what it is, uh, no one's a big fan of that car, so they miss well, that's, it. Man, that's know? what I mean. Like, like turn up, turn up a notch. I mean, now it's only making six hundred horsepower. Is it better if it's an NSX that makes a thousand horsepower mm. and uses an IndyCar like engine? An NSX type R squared kind of. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. yeah, but but isn't so with motorsports these days? It's so it's kind of far fetched from the streetcars, maybe even more so than in years past. So the IndyCar motors are they pneumatic valve train and stuff, or or could they actually work in the streetcar? I'm sure emissions and all these things will be very different from a. It probably well, won't be a hybrid, you it know. Probably they, won't work in it. I mean, well, no, those are it, like you know, but race always, racing's yeah. always trickle down, right? You take the technology yeah. and you adapt it for, you know, right? yeah. So, but it, it it would probably be easy to take the existing NSX motor and just do a little boost stop and make a thousand. I'm sure that be. would be could be, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. little. little, little, little uh, bigger motors, you know, more battery, you know, something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that NSX needs, well, NSX needs a, I think just needs a whole new reboot, I think. Why, why do you think the NSX is uh, so unpopular, though? Oh, I'm not, it doesn't look good. It's not a good look. <laughs> really? Tell us besides, how you really fail. Besides this look, though, I mean, why Why do you think it's like, I mean, people were just well, no, it excited drives, about it. It drives nice, but it really doesn't have a personality. Like the first generation NSX did. Right, I mean that was a lot of personality in that car. It looked like an F, you know, a Formula Jet Fighter and all that. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's nothing really that grabs you with this NSX. I mean, I'm sorry if there's NSX fans out there. Uh, this one, it's a great car. It's a, you know, but you know, I just think it was that, a, a missed a missed opportunity for them to promote it as well as they should. I mean, I think that it was in the Avengers. I mean, they tried J, J Leno. Yeah, but that's, that's fought over one on commercials. I mean. 
but you know what I mean? It's like it's it didn't really do anything. You can see it in a movie and you can see it on a, an advert, but it wasn't there was no drive behind it. I mean, obviously everyone likes the Supra and then it's talked about this whole thing. Well, is it a BMW or is it a Supra? It's great to still have a Supra. There's been nothing that's been like, well, it's it's the NSX, it's great. It's like hybrid, that's nice. It's 550 horsepower, that's nice. It looks maybe good, maybe not. <laughs> It's like, nah, yeah, it's exactly. Like, it is. It's a that kind of car. That's there's nothing. That's, really that's they failed. Yeah, they failed to to push on that and to get a reason and more than just a. Uh, it's kind of like we needed to do something. They never really delivered on that. Yeah, right. and it's even built by Honda and just Honda. You know, it's like it's, it's built. You know, the the because the biggest complaint with the Supra is that it's built both by Toyota and and BMW, right? And oh, it's like, yes. ah, it's a BMW much, engine. But there's so much, much more hype BMW. about. Yeah, but there's so much more hype and like love around the new Supra than the NSX. And the NSX is built in the US. You'd think they'd push yeah. it a lot more and try and turn it right. up. But right. anyway, it's been. I, I think are you a fan yeah. of the NSX? Am I a fan of the NSX? I I I feel like I, I hear you because I, I feel that I think from a looks point of view, I'm a little bit like eh, you know, it, it, it doesn't do it for me. Uh, I've never driven one. But I've seen, I feel like I've read something where people say it's a little tricky to make you do what you want. Mm. Uh, I don't know if that's true or not, but I, I hear you. I have friends that have the first gen NSX and they're really iconic. They really are. First generation NSX is a wonderful car. It's yeah. A, yeah. I, I've gotten priced out of it, but I was going to, I was looking. I think they just couldn't, uh, you know, meet the bar, right? With, because the, the, the first gen NSX, there's just so much. You know, James, legendary. So much better than this. Uh, can you put up a photo of the first gen? Yeah, oh no, not the first gen. The uh, the current. The new, uh, the current. Yeah, I mean, it's the, the first one was so such uh, legendary status. Yeah. And then the, I think the biggest problem with the new NSX is that uh, there was nothing new about the like no. Oh, new it technology. was a hybrid. Well, it was. It's, it's, it's very new. Yeah, but I mean, it's like it's very new. It just nothing really grabbed you. Not there's no. There's no romantic romance, you know. I mean, you know, it's, yeah, that was it. They didn't, they didn't push anything back, and they didn't link like, anything well, the back. Hy the hybrid, NSX. it was not the first hybrid sports car, though. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. the no, NSX. No. There were a lot of firsts. It was, uh, you know, full it was one of the first. Chassis. It was one of the first. It was early. It was early, yeah. Yeah. So first um, car to have. Ferrari, I think, came out with theirs afterwards. I mean, you know. So, but anyways, I think we all agree we're not really huge nsx i mean this would not be the first car you would buy at 120 what is it 120 130,000 dollars correct definitely. i think it's more than that now sam oh okay definitely not the hundred forty thousand dollars is i think it's even more than that what yeah really? do you want to build one <laughs> exactly customize your NSX. yeah okay yeah so there you go that's so there you know to me i mean okay so who here would rather have a porsche 911 turbo than the NSX. Exactly. I wouldn't I would. even look at the NSX. I wouldn't you even would look too, at Frederick? the NSX. Yeah, so, yeah, so. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It is what yeah, it is. James, I think. Uh, there you go. 160,000 sticker price before you start. Oh, man. Okay, that, that's turbo, proportion <laughs> turbo country. And I think you're right, James. It, you know, if you if they did something with the Indy engine and kind of let it trickle down into the NSX like they did the Formula One to the original NSX, maybe it'll you know, it'll do something, you know, yeah. it'll, or something. So and I like the idea. I don't know if it's possible, like 
Frederick said, I don't know how you're oh, going of to course. Get, you know, race engine and put it into a car like this, you know, you're going to mm -hmm. have to do something, but yeah. I, I like the association though. You know, if there is some I kind of association yeah. that would, and, yeah. yeah. Then before, before I sign off and hand everything over to Tara, the last thing I wanted to talk about was extreme E, um, which is, I like Frederick nodding here. Frederick seems to know all about this and the Odyssey <laughs> 21. Um, so this is a, a Sam, do you know about this one? Or are you? Oh, and this is the first time I've seen and heard about this. What is this? So this is basically, it's a spin-off of Formula E where they're looking to try and bring an electric car to different portions of the globe to race and bring awareness to the environment. So they're going to be having races in Senegal, which is going to be for the ocean, Saudi Arabia for the desert, the glacier will be in Nepal, the Arctic will be Greenland, and the rainforest is Brazil. So it's taking a car to race at places that it hasn't been raced at before. Yeah, that's kind of anti-message, isn't it? You're doing this for the environment and you're running all over the environment. <laughs> well, <laughs> is it, are, the, are these the, like buggies electric cars? They yeah, like the buggies. 550 they horsepower, two-motored, twin-motor electric vehicles. Hmm. Interesting. Now, um, oh, Michaela, I know her. You know her? Yeah, she rode in my drift car on the frozen lake. Wait, okay. is she German? What, what she, she's Swedish. Oh, Swedish. So, and th these guys are doing a lot of things right, right? So they're, they're riding the hype of the EVs. They're doing off-roading, which everybody loves. Yes. They're mm -hmm. signing all of, all of the uh, obviously great race car drivers, but also very, uh, very strong personalities and sellable drivers, right? So Mikaela is this really sweet Swedish girl. They're getting a lot of the, uh, I guess, XDTM. I think Ken Block's involved. A lot of yeah, Lewis Hamilton. Are in it. Lewis, Lewis Hamilton's got a team. My is friend. There you go. Yeah, hey, my friend Mika, Sarah. Sarah Price. A, uh, dr a rally driver. Frederick? She's a uh, touring car or like a. Uh, uh, oh, so yeah. Asphalt. Asphalt. Yeah. Yeah. And my friend Sarah Price, she signed up with Chip Ganassi to race this for her team. So, oh, wow. it's uh, it's. I mean, it's certainly interesting. I mean, I I agree with you on one point, Sam. It seems a bit um, the idea of they've got a they're taking a large boat, a container ship around to all these different places um, to avoid the cost of flying and things like that. So I, and the, but there's principles behind obviously these like large boats are very, produce a lot of bad diesel fumes as a result of that and burn on the worst kind of petroleum. So there's lots of ifs and buts. The cars are still obviously all made of plastic and have got rubber involved. It all comes from petrochemicals, uh, even though it is EV. So. There's, like you said, a bit of a mixed message, but the idea that they're going to go to these different zones and try and bring awareness, I really like the concept of. Um, obviously, at this point, we've not been able to discover anything that's like really environmentally friendly in any scape where everything produces waste of sorts. So I think the intentions are good. And like Frederick says, there's a lot of personalities that's going to be involved in this. Yeah, um, I mean, I, any new form of motorsports I'm for, you know, especially one that tries to be you know, environmentally friendly. I mean, you know, I mean, I actually, you know, did the Paris to Dakar, right? I actually, mm -hmm. uh, I actually finished it. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah, I, I finished the Paris to Dakar at 95. And this looks like something I'd love to drive on. Like, a Paris. I, you know, I wouldn't have, you know, we'd have, and it, it could work because every night we camp, right? So that's mm -hmm. when you, you know, you, you charge, you have five, six hours to charge. So you, and yeah. every stage, if you, unless you get stuck, we got stuck. So our stages last 
you know, we, we didn't come in for 14 hours, but the fast guys are done in three hours, you know? So mm -hmm. that's rad. I, I feel like the, the biggest question when it comes to the perception of this is how, the, how are they going to charge the vehicles? And I know that for Formula E, the, the joke is that uh, behind the pits of every Formula E race, there's a bunch of diesel generators, right? Exactly. Uh, Charging and, the uh, batteries. <laughs> exactly. And th there's a new racetrack being built in Norway. And one a major sales point for those guys to actually be able to build a track is that it's sitting right next to a hydroelectric Whoa. waterfall power plant. Whoa. That way Formula E can put in their schedule that this is a certified green event, right? Mm -hmm. So exactly. how are you... How are you going to do that in the high deserts with, with this series though? That that's yeah. going to be interesting to see how they solve solar? that. Solar, I you mean, know, desert it, you could do solar. The it, yeah. you could do. It, it it looks like they're moving a lot of stuff. I mean, like I said, they've got an old um, steamship to actually move the stuff around. Like not old like it's vintage, but a large ex container vessel that's going to be moving lots of containers. I have a feeling that they're going to be like opening up and like building and like bringing a new like mini little city to ever, an eco-friendly city to every new places where they're going to to set up. And I think they'll do things like obviously like they'll leave no waste and they'll try and do as best as they can in the environment. So like you said, I, I like the concept behind it and I really, really hope it's a, a success. I mean, I think the first races start um, in late January in the one in Senegal at the ocean. So I guess we'll just sort of see how it goes. I know that Andreas Bakarud just yep. uploaded his, uh, he was testing one, I think last month in France. Yep. Um, so it'll be, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, like you said, lots of personalities going into this or people that are, that are on social media that are popular or they've got bring attitudes and things. So I, I'd like to see where it's going and seeing where it's going to go next. It's interesting. Like you said, there's a lot of big names involved. That's awesome. Yeah. I think, I mean, what, I think what they should do, they should get a bunch of fitness uh, influencers, set them up in the pits with their Peloton or, or spinning bikes and charge the batteries that way. Charge it. Charge oh my God. Not just, not just a fit. No, you need to balance it out as well, Frederick. So you need to get the mummy blogger influencer as well, and they can do the same thing. And then you can sure. pair them off. On yeah, the bikes. Yeah. yeah. Have them get on the bikes. Yeah. <laughs> October 27 is the virtual launch. huh? So that's coming up. So good report. So there James. we go. So that was my sort of coverage for the James, week. And I'll be up James, this, week, James, this week was especially interesting. Very good. Thank you. I try. Oh, the last thing was my big question every week that I have to ask you too. Did you watch the speedway that I told you to watch last weekend? Carl, back to you. Um, so my report, I have, um, <laughs> we're talking about, uh, <laughs> I can't believe you didn't watch it. <laughs> uh, got into a big accident in, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. the answer's in, no, uh, James, the answer's no. Okay. In Seattle. <laughs> no, sorry, James. I, I, I just, uh, I know. Where, I injured, where were you here? You're, I injured you're my, my, I injured my knee. I, I had no time to watch, uh. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. The best sport and you're not watching it. Unbelievable. I, I will watch it. It's like, okay. Maybe Frederick's a fan. I have no idea what you guys are talking about. Move Good. along. Nothing to see here. Speedway <laughs> Grand Prix, right? Yeah. Oh. Have Speedway you heard of Grand Prix. What it's, is that? It's James McKeown's favorite um, uh, form of motorsports right now. Okay. You're staring the screen, Tara, so I can't take it over. All right. Take it away. It's from Poland, right? Well, it was oh, mainly the bikes, the dirt bikes. The yeah, dirt yeah. Bikes, yes. Yes. Oh, of course. Yeah. It's amazing. I there you go. Really see? Is. There you yeah. go. See? I'm glad that someone can finally <laughs> tell me. <laughs> you have an ally. You have an ally. You just made oh, yeah. it this month. 
<laughs> big in Sweden, big in Poland. And those guys, are, it's basically dirt racing, but it's so cool to see how they slingshot and plan their, their, uh, their laps. And yeah. they're wearing masks. Good for them. That. Yeah. Good for them. Um, so the, the race, in the end, basically, it went down to a, a runoff for the, third, uh, for the second place, the silver medal, because the two guys were on it. But it was a, a this. If you only watch, spend two and a half hours watching one event that I make you push your pressure into. Watch this event that I'll send you the links for. Um, it was any any on track action here. You're like showing all the boring parts. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Let me just see if I can get back to. Uh, here we go. See if we can start it up. Um, I don't want to give it away too much, though, Sam. With I don't the, know any of these dudes. Let you me... don't need to know any of the dudes. You just <laughs> got to remember. Where's the remember. action? Why don't you show the action? Sam, it's a three-hour YouTube. I can't bring it right <laughs> up to the second just for you. If you give it a second, just here it comes. What I'm saying is they accelerate as fast as a Formula One car to 60 miles an hour. Well, understandable. My mm. Motorcycles are fast. There is no brakes. So you've got no brakes. You're just oh controlling the bike with the clutch and the slide. That's so, that's like a death wish. They is the guys are as hard as nails. They will. There is accidents that happen and people get pushed Look at the drifting. Off. Look at the counter steering already from the yeah. get go. So this was drifting before drifting was drifting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's 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 that's. Look at that. Ooh. <laughs> and so then I don't want to stress who's going to win, but you just got to keep at least watching as you can follow and see what happens in regards to how the laps go down. So you see that the guy from yellow went from third to now he's in second. It's and like weird, you know, the line you take, you know. Are there a lot of wipeouts in this? Uh, There's got to be, right? There is, an occasion, there is an occasional accident, yes, where people can have that. But the idea is it's on shale, so it's, they've got to find the dirt line. Obviously, the quickest way around is going to be the shortest distance around the point, around the oval. But you get more dirt the further out, so the deeper you go into the dirt, depending on how it goes, the more drive you get, the faster you can go. So that's why you see them change the different lines in regards to going and seeing hey, where hey, they go. James, how many laps is a? It was only like four laps, huh? Three, four four laps. laps, yeah. Four the race is over, and generally each track's probably around about a minute for a, for a race to get it going. But it's it's good fun. It's really good, really quality, and I really recommend you should watch this one. Feel pressured now that Frederick loves it and says that you guys should watch it too. Well, I don't know if Frederick said he loved it. He says he heard about it. But, okay. but we'll, we'll, we'll give it to you. Frederick loved it. Okay, loves it. Okay. There we go. Now, Tara, all over to okay. you and die. All right, let's go. Let's see die crash. Okay. <laughs> I'm sure die appreciates it did you it see well. this one? Were you there? Uh, were, I know you were there, but were, did you, were you out I, watching this one or? I was, because we, uh, we blew our intake before this, and it was a really hard hit, and it made me feel for die, and it made me oh, think okay. back to his horrible crash at this track many years ago. He, uh, die told me that it was almost as hard as the time he totaled the IS. Remember that really? big flip that he had, Sam, when he yeah, yeah. completely totaled that IS? He said it, it felt as hard as that. that uh, I, didn't, I haven't even that seen this crash yet. I just... Heard from Dai saying, you know, he's still sore from the crash. Yeah, still. so let's, uh, I'm going to fast forward it. Um, I might find an ad again, but I think, where was, where is the crash scene? There's a, there's a crash scene at the end, but. And if you see, uh, if you see Fred, well, Frederick, were you, were you already out by round three and four? Or yeah, wait, yeah, round three and yeah. four. No, round three and four. Wait, round three you did. 
Round three, we got a second. Yeah. On the so, hey, and so if you see a Frederick uh, run, keep it on, Taro. Oh, it's not in this video, though. Oh, it's not? Oh, okay. Yeah, because this is Dai's video. This is Dai's oh. uh, in-car that know, we were shooting. The, I, I hate to say this, but it, doesn't, it didn't look that bad, but he said it that it was that big of a jolt, huh? Well, look at the look at this one. The, they're showing, uh, this camera shows him actually uh, his in-car shot. But look mm -hmm. at his car, though. It's completely... Well, it's not that bad. It's the you know the front front tire and stuff. It's what he does, Tara. What he does. I mean, this is just buff out for Mister Matani. He's not a problem with that. <laughs> Look at that though. He's oh. getting thrown around. Look at oh, that. Yeah, he does. Oh yeah, yeah. He was just yeah. hanging on for dear life there. Yeah, we used a, uh, a, a a 360 camera for this uh, video actually. Um, we got a camera from um, our sponsors, uh, Daction, uh, which does the Razo stuff and. Mm -hmm. um, so he was shooting with a 360 camera the whole time. So we got, you know, fortunately we got, and unfortunately we got really good, good footage of him crashing. We got a front front view and also, you know, him um, actually. How did he crash? What happened? Did he get, did he get tapped or? No, he, he, I don't he know. He just what, lost it. I don't know what happened, but um, he was. Well, um, I couldn't really tell. He said, he said it was his fault and his interview with Donald. Yeah, he was just going, he was following here. He was, he, it's like, almost like he missed the initiation uh, yeah, and just ran like right into the wall. Yeah, yeah. that's weird. It, it could be, it could be a lot of things happening right there because a lot of times at that part of the track, we quite often get on the left foot brake early on mm -hmm. because th there's so much grip in these cars now that they're kind of, we're, we're struggling to make him step out. And the way to combat that is you you keep the the floor, the, the throttle to the floor basically, but you also kind of add a little bit of left left foot brake to kind of steer the front down the bank. Mm -hmm, yeah, yeah. And, and sometimes if you do that too much, you can lock up the front. So it could be some of that, or it could be him just sending the steering wheel too hard and not catching it, or it could be him just having a, a I don't know, getting off the e brake a little too soon, or a combination of those. Yeah, it looked like he just gave, you know, just gave up on the drift and steered straight into the wall. So, you know, yeah, something, what, something happened. What kind of initiation were most of the drivers doing for this uh, for this round? I want to say it's a combination, a uh, mix between a quick e-brake and uh, just a clutch kick into the corner in lead. Oh, but when oh, you're in lead. chase, okay. then mm -hmm. it's a different ball game because you're you have your plan, you know what you're expecting from the lead car but at the same time you don't know if it's going to do exactly that okay. and what it looks like to me is that maybe die is a little too high on the bank it's a little bit safer so watch this if he was just a little bit lower yeah yeah so it, it's a lot safer if you aim to try and catch the lead car a little further down the line i see uh, and if you also look at it, um, chris leading chris is also not very deep He's kind of, I guess he's out there, but he shoots in a little bit and maybe that mm -hmm. caught die off guard. Mm. You see how Chris is not really riding the wall there to begin with. He kind of shoots down from the bank. Maybe that caught die by a surprise a little bit. Mm. Okay. But he looked to be very close in kind of a risky place and he was kind of had a traje trajectory towards the wall instead of being further down on the bank and catching Chris later. Right, right, right. I see, I see. So, so maybe he, a compounding of all of these different things. He should be a little bit more more towards the left of the screen then, right? Correct. Correct. And it's yeah. very close right there. 
Mm -hmm. right right where he passed it he's very close so maybe he freaked out a little bit and got on the foot brake a little too hard and washed mm -hmm. down maybe uh, i that see makes sense yeah that makes sense the way the car reacted huh that's like, that's like yeah it just kind of lost it and just went straight in okay yeah well i mean that's part of, it's part of motorsports so i mean he's fine so yeah we're just glad he's okay that's yeah, we're glad he's okay he's got a big repair but repair bill yeah so texas is coming up um when is texas halloween weekend and we're debating right. whether we're going to dress up as donald trump or von Gittin jr but we'll see <laughs> hey what you say oh dressing up as yeah we oh, so okay. the next fd round is going to be on halloween weekend so we all got to dress yeah, up you know what i would go with von i would go with jr jr because uh, <laughs> there's going to be some trump haters that might think you're the real thing Sure. <laughs> sure. In we, Texas, though, that's that's Trump country, though. Well, yeah, yeah. it is. But can we also, before Tara starts, can we just talk about how wonderful this pause is of you right now? I mean, this is truly, <laughs> truly incredible. It's, an, yeah. I mean, it's a fantastic pause. Right. I, what I, a passion I, right there. Exactly. I've already done a screenshot of this, so I'm looking forward to uh, sending it out to everyone. Sharing this shot. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. See, I'm very passionate about what I'm about to say right now. Oh, you kind of look like Trump, you know, what he's... <laughs> <laughs> Trump goes like this. Trump goes like this, okay. not like that. So, okay, so I the, think we're yeah. coming up on the two-hour mark, so... We'll... Yeah, so this video real quick. Um, oh, I'm another sorry. Video... Just no, 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 no. This is a uh, real quick. This is a new video. Uh, the last video we did with Top Rank, again, with our friend Sean Morris. Um, we wanted to explain to everyone what the 25-year-old rule was. So, we all know... You guys know that it uh, a car has to be 25 years old or older to import to the United States, and that is actually called the Import Vehicle Safety Compliance Act of 1988. And um, we 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 interviewed Sean, and he basically explained explained to us uh, what it takes to import a car to the U.S. and make it street legal. So um, you go through different departments. So like the uh, customs is actually uh, the guys that handle uh, and determine if a car is 25 years older and you can bring it in, but a different department um, enables you to legally drive it in the in the U.S. So that is your local DMV. Um, and depending on the state you live in, um, even if you're importing a 25-year-old car, if you live in a state like California or Hawaii, you still have to uh, bring it up to to California standards to be able to drive it. So um, he explains uh, to us that you know California is one of the hardest cars to actually uh, drive an imported car, um, even if it's older, 25 years old. Some states it's totally you know their DMV uh, equivalent to, uh, of of some states are easier to to legalize and and uh, um, make your car uh, uh, registrable. Uh, in those states. Um, so this video is on uh, YouTube. Uh, it's on GD channel. So if you guys are interested in importing a 25-year-old car, um, check it out and uh, you can learn more about how to uh, drive a JDM car in the States. Cool. All right. Frederick, what's your, uh, what's your favorite JDM car? Oh, man. I, uh, obviously, a big fan of the Mark IV Supras. I have four of them. Uh, in yeah, various conditions. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there you go. But but uh, I I also like the the Skylines. The mm -hmm. 32s are probably my favorite. I had two of those in Norway. 
It's actually oh, okay. how I funded the, the start of my career. I bought a few of those from Japan and sold them at a profit to oh, okay. R32 GTSTs. Okay, yeah. I really, yeah. yeah, I really like those. So, you know, I would love a 32 GTR, you know, even though I'm a rear-wheel drive kind of guy. Uh, mm. Yeah. Yeah, those like, are great cars. like them all. But that whole genre, like that era, though, like up until like 2000, 2002, you know, with the, with kind of the understated horsepower claims, you know, with the horsepower war and the, right. the 280 on paper. 280, right. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. yeah, those are good times. And those yeah. cars are really expensive now. Those Supras yeah. are super, they're getting up there. I know, you should fix yours up and sell them for an auction for like 100,000 a piece. <laughs> Whatever right. for, it's crazy, so. My ice practice car is a Mark IV Supra that I bought in the UK for a whopping three grand. Really? Oh, wow. Yeah, hard top, it's an NA, you know, but the- Oh, it's okay, yeah. It's, yeah. yeah. But they, they've gotten, obviously, a lot more expensive in the last... Yeah, especially the turbos. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I think, uh, is that it, Taro? That's my report, yeah. All right, cool. Well, Frederick, again, thank you very much for... Um, there we go. We got we go. to rock Frederick out here. Uh, <laughs> and and do you, uh, we, I think a lot of people really want to know, I think the people who follow your Instagram and stuff know this already, but do you really drink Rockstar Energy Drink? Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. There you go. Okay. So good answer. Good answer. Anyways, um, uh, thank you for joining us. I mean, and you know, uh, staying around for the to the end of the show. That's awesome. It's great to get your takes on all the, all, you know, our uh, separate little sections. So that was great. Thanks, man. And likewise, it's been a pleasure. It's great to to uh, get to know you guys even even better obviously i know taro for a long time and this has been really fun so thanks for having me awesome cool. good luck in cool. texas we're Thank you. good luck, good luck and, in texas uh, yeah we're always rooting for the, the the driver that was last on our show so we are rooting for you, <laughs> Thank you. Oh, yeah so what, what we're saying because you can come first and die comes second that's how uh, that come fourth. We don't. with me <laughs> uh, and then uh james uh great section for you thank you very much very informative very hopefully i didn't use your name as much today sam so our, our fans out there will will take note of that and only send me praise you did but yeah i kind of missed it believe it or not we need to put I up got... a sam counter yeah. how many times you say sam we go ping ping yeah, ping exactly. you know. <laughs> we'll and then as always taro a very nice production we are looking forward to uh the podcast and the youtube and all that on different platforms so rest in peace uh edward eddie van halen okay so yeah uh those of you who didn't don't don't know the background there of taro we we couldn't guess it but because it's so it's just a piece of eddie van halen's guitar when he told us we go okay all right so anyways yeah <laughs> uh, uh, uh the god of electric guitar in our yes. generation yes yeah. so. he's, he's our generation okay so anyways that's about it from us uh thank you frederick james taro uh signing off uh god godspeed podspeed to everyone and we'll see godspeed. you in a couple weeks see ya all right bye godspeed. thank you bye frederick thanks buddy thank you <laughs>